what's going on? Rob Cesternino here, getting you ready for this week's edition of the Tar Pit following this Wednesday night mega leg. If you missed it, myself, Jessica Lease, and Mike Bloom had a recap of the episode that's up at robiswebsite.com where we talked about the two-hour leg through India here today on the Tar Pit. We have a jam-packed show for you. We are going to kick things off with my exit interview. We're going to talk about this week's or talk to this week's most recently eliminated team. That is Kaylin and Haley. Uh, they uh, called in the other day and I got a chance to talk to them. So you're going to hear that exit interview. Then we have a, a very special treat for you that the amazing race 31 alumni two-time survivor alumni and candidate for manhattan district attorney eliza orleans is going to be calling in to talk about a very special event that she is doing with amazing race alumni to raise money for her a district attorney campaign we're going to hear from eliza orleans here in this episode and then we are going to be joined by sasha joseph as uh, she uh, helps us go through all of the amazing race feedback questions and talk about the amazing race social media and play a game here with us on this jam-packed episode of the tar pit jessica least can't be with us this weekend but she will be back with us soon mike bloom uh, will join me one we talked to Eliza Orland. So I uh, got a, a lot of people here with us today on this week's edition of the Tar Pit. But let's kick things off with my uh, conversation with Kaylin and Haley from the other day. Uh, go ahead and uh, bring you that interview. Kaylin and Haley, how are you? Good morning. Hey, Rob. We are Doing doing good, doing good. And and if you could today, if you could let me know uh, when Kaylin is talking and when Haley is talking, that would help uh, me and all the listeners who can't see you right now. You got it. Okay. All right. Uh, you guys had a, a tough couple of weeks that I wonder when people talk about, oh, 2020, what a nightmare. Did you guys tell them like, hey, look, it's no 2018. so this is Haley, and yeah people that are complaining about 2020 obviously some have it worse than others but they have no idea what it's like to be two nominations two yields lost in paraguay yep yep yeah, so yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, for us, 2020 has nothing on 2018. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, what was the most frustrating part of the whole experience for the two of you? This is Kaylin. I would say probably the most frustrating part for Haley and I was being in the back of the pack a lot because you're running your own race. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we realized we were running our own race as much as we realized it at the mat in India when Phil told us that there was a mind five alliance and that for us solidified that 100% we were running our own race. So for us being the back of the pack, always being lost, never knowing where the other teams were always running the race solo was probably the most frustrating part for Haley and I. Did you two have any sort of an inkling that there was a mind five that was working together? This is Haley. We had zero idea. There was one moment in, was this in Paris? Where was it? In India. There was one moment in India where um, D'Angelo said to Madison, he pointed to something to Madison, to a taxi. He pointed to the taxis when we were getting to the airport. 
And that made it a little bit clear that maybe they had a little something going on or maybe helping each other here and there. But we had no idea there was an alliance of five teams. We, we had mm-hmm. no idea. Haley and I are clearly oblivious. Very oblivious. One of the things that I was wondering in the episode was, was it really the Mind 5 that uh, was targeting you in this episode? Or was it the fact specifically that Hung and Chi were at the back of the pack and that Will and James and the volleyball bros were more concerned? Like, had D'Angelo and Gary been uh, neck and neck with you two? Do you think that those yields would have been used against you? This is Kaylin. I think that things would have been different if D'Angelo and Gary were in the back of the pack because I know that Will and James had a, a plan to yield Gary and D'Angelo, not us. For them, it would be silly to yield us because we are a weaker team than Gary and D'Angelo at times. So I think that that being hung and chi being in the back with us totally changed things. And that was one of the reasons why we got yielded because they're not going to yield hung and chi who are the main part of their alliance. And they also saw that we were far behind. So I think it was just a good cushion for everyone to yield us. Mm -hmm. Now, do you two have any sense of if the two yields that got used against you, both of them, and everybody happened to just have these 20 minute yields that you couldn't get yielded (laughs) by anybody with the 10 minute yield. But do you know if those were the difference ultimately between you being eliminated or not? This is Haley. Um, so we got lost for a very long time and we're not exactly positive how long we were lost for or how much that did put us behind everyone. And I don't even think we'll know once we watch the show because it doesn't really accurately portray the times, but we knew that we were done. We, we knew it. So by the time we got yielded, not only were we not surprised because we knew we were coming to the end of the race and that people were going to start pulling out the yields and using them, but we also knew that we were so far behind because not only did we get lost, but Kaylin really struggled at one of the challenges and we were there for a while. Yeah. So we knew that we were done. So we really don't think that the yields had a big effect on us going out. We think we were gone either way. Yeah. So, on the place setting, uh, did you, you were you too, uh, able to get through that pretty quickly, or was that more of a challenge than we saw in the episode? So we actually, this is Haley, sorry. So Kaylin and I were born and raised in restaurants. Our parents were restaurant owners, and we just grew up running around restaurants. So for us, that was, that for me, that was my challenge, and that was the easiest one. And had we not gotten lost, I would have beasted through that challenge so fast. (laughs) And I think that I could have put some competition up because that was really, really easy for me. Yeah, it seems like that the Achilles heel for you two was the sense of direction in terms of like getting from what it wasn't so much the tasks, but it was getting from uh, one task to the next. Is that fair to say? Hey, this is Kaylin. Haley and I have a terrible sense of direction. And we knew that that was going to be our biggest downfall going into the race. Before we left for the race, we started prepping and reading maps. And I was like, this is going to be a problem for us, Haley. <laughs> um, even in Charleston, I've been here for 10 years, and Haley and I still pull out our Google Maps all the time. Yeah. And being out on the next race, you don't have your phone. So you don't have your phone. You don't have, like, normal maps with you. You find a map where you can in the airport. You can just take it with you. But we, we don't read maps on our day-to-day lives. So, uh, yeah, direction was our biggest downfall, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you're not going to be picked up to be the uh, food delivery people anytime soon, right? 
This is Haley, and no, I don't think that they would hire us. And if they did, I think we'd be fired. Yeah, yeah, we would not last long. Oh my god, they would fire us quickly. (laughs) Okay, Uh, how about at the end of the episode? uh, One of you said, "This is not payback; it's karma." Well, what did you mean by that? (laughs) This is Kaylin. When Haley and I got yielded the first time. We already were expecting it because we knew that, like, you can't just always get lucky. And we had just yielded Leo and Alana, who were our best friends. So we knew that we had to do what we had to do. And we went, we were scrappy about it. And we knew the other teams are going to be scrappy too. And Haley and I, once we got yielded twice, we're like, this is definitely karma at this point. (laughs) We should have not, you turned sweet Frank and Jerry. And we should not have yielded our besties, Leo and Alana. We deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had been wondering, and we talked about this with Leo and Alana last week, of that early on, it seemed like that you were very tight with them in the beginning of the race. But then we didn't see as much of that relationship as it went uh, forward the rest of the season. I know you two were at their wedding, but uh, that did you guys lose touch with them over the course of the race? This is Haley. So during the race, yes, we didn't get to see them as much because, you know, at first we were with them in Brazil and we were with them in Colombia. We were at the same challenges. But after that, I mean, everything just started to really go downhill for us. And we were never around anybody else. So not only did we not get to see them, but then, you know, Leo helped Aparna in Germany, which kind of put a salty taste in our mouth. We didn't care that he didn't help us, but we cared that he did help Aparna and not us. A sauerkraut taste in your mouth? Yes. Oh, it was a bad sour crowd. Very sour. <laughs> so, yeah, that definitely, um, I think it put a little hurt on our friendship there. We we were still close, but then once we got, once that happened, then we got to Kazakhstan, even once we got to the um, challenge at the, the con, oh, the great con, mm-hmm. the great con, we were really, really quiet because we were like, no way are we going to help them. Like, if we can figure it out, we're not going to help them. So we were, that's why we were like basically whispering to the con, we were like, because we didn't want them to hear it. We didn't want to help them if there was a possibility to, because we were a little salty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not only this is Kaylin, it wasn't that we were that salty. We were just, Haley and I had just had a speed bump in Kazakhstan and that speed bump took us about 30 minutes. And we, we were so happy to see that we and Alana were still at the challenge because we didn't know how far behind we were. So we weren't going to help Leo and Alana at the great con spy in Kazakhstan because it would have hurt us. And it was the same reason why Leo and Alana didn't help us in Berlin. So it, at that point, we were running our own race and so were they, and we didn't blame them. No. And yeah. we are best friends with Leo and Alana. We talk to them all the time. Oh, I get it. We I actually get it. have a group chat. <laughs> yep, yep. So we have a group chat called the Shitty Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, we go back to the speed bump in Kazakhstan? Because I have a couple co- questions about that. Did you find out that had it had it not been you, uh, you two doing this speed bump, and had it been Riley and Madison, what would they have done at the speed bump? This is Haley. That's a really good question. We don't know. We were wondering the same thing, but we think that we'd have they. I guess have one big beard. I don't know. Like, would okay. they glue the beards to their beards? How would that have gone? We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, because they have plans for challenges out ahead sure, of time. So sure. Sure. No idea. And then, uh, second, were you told that you needed to wear the beard for the entire rest of that leg? This is Kayla and Haley, and I were told 
Sky Production that we had to wear the beards for the whole day, <laughs> and good. they were the itchiest things on the planet and took yeah. off half of our skin. I like that. <laughs> I like that. If you come in like last place, like the speed bump should be some sort of like public humiliation of like being like tarred and feathered, and you have to <laughs> run a leg of Kazakhstan yep, with a beard we on. We earned those beards. Yeah. Okay. Yes, totally. But this is Haley. By the end of the day, Kaylin had to use a band aid to stick her mustache back mm. on because it was hanging off. Yeah. Um, how shocked were you in Paris that Michelle and Victoria had not <laughs> checked in when you guys finally got to the mat? This is Kaylin. When Haley and I landed in Paris at the mat and Phil told us that there was still another team racing, we were so shocked. And at first, we didn't know who it was. We didn't know who it was until we got to the train station and then we didn't see Michelle and Vic and Haley and I knew that Michelle and Vic were such strong competitors. They really were. Mm -hmm. And they both knew how to drive a stick shift and they both spoke French. So we, if any team that came in last, I would never have expected to be Michelle and Victoria and Paris. They're beasts. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it was really great to talk to you both. Uh, You're a lot of fun and you're both great sports. And so thank you very much for talking about your experience on the race. Yeah, thank you so much. We're having loving reading all your tweets and all your drafts. It's so fun. That draft was hilarious when you got with us. We laughed so hard. You're like, they're my pick, and you can't change them. That's right. That's right. We almost had it. We were this close. Top six. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much. Hey, we could have used another non-elimination leg. That would be incredible. If Haley and I made an India, we would be hating. Next time, next time. All right. All the best to both of you, okay? Thanks, Thanks, have a so great All right, take care. Bye. All right, there you have it. Kaylin and Haley uh, from uh, the other day. Very nice to talk with them. Very good sports about everything. We are going to uh, talk with Eliza Orland here in uh, just a moment as Mike Bloom is going to uh, join us for that. But first, let me take a moment and thank one of our sponsors here today. Those are our friends over at Brooklinen, and you can get 10% off your first order when you head on over to uh, brooklinen.com and use the promo code ROB for 10% off your purchase. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than nice sheets. Maybe you looked at some retailers and calculated the years of interest you'd pay to get just one set of sheets and uh, gave up. But trust me, go to brooklinen.com. Those are the these sheets that I swear by and insist that we have on our bed that they are going to keep you nice and warm here in the colder months and keep you somehow nice and cool during the summer months as well. Not too heavy, not too light. It's the perfect balance for your sheet, but it's not just sheets. Of course, uh, Brooklinen, they are more than just sheets that they have comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear and more. And best of all, they keep the prices low. They work directly with manufacturers to make the luxury available directly to you without that luxury level markup. Plus, you can buy sheets, bedding, and pillows all at once to save even more. Don't wait. Do something nice for yourself or it makes a a great gift this time of year. Go to brooklinen.com. Use promo code ROB to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E. 
E-N.com. Enter promo code Rob for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use promo code Rob at checkout or as I like to say, no sleep till Brooklinen. All right. I'm very excited for this uh, next segment here today. First, uh, let me welcome in uh, Mike Bloom, who is uh, with us. Mike, how are you? I, if this was a video podcast, Rob, I would be making an extremely excited face uh, in just honor of the person that I'm excited to talk to, but also uh, trying to mimic the gift-worthy nature of said person. Impossible. I'm both um, I'm across many CBS trying. reality shows, including the one that we're speaking about today. Yes, of course, that we are uh, very lucky to have uh, this woman here with us, of course, a two-time survivor, a alumni of the amazing race, but is now in a very different race as she is looking to become uh, Manhattan's next district attorney. Uh, please welcome back to the podcast, Eliza Orleans. Eliza, how are you? Hi, I'm great, considering everything. That's like the new answer these days. Okay. Well, Eliza, happy to see you here again. And of course, Eliza has a a big event, uh, Amazing Race themed coming up this week, a uh, fundraiser for her campaign involving the Amazing Race. The Amazing Race for DA is on uh, December 2nd, uh, 2020, coming up uh, this week. Eliza, I know you've done this before with Survivor and with uh, Big Brother. Can you tell us uh, what is coming up this week with Amazing Race alumni? Yeah, I'm so excited. Honestly, my reality TV family from Survivor to Big Brother to Amazing Racers have really been such huge supporters of the campaign. And it's just been such an honor. And like, I'm so touched by how many of them are willing to just jump in and be supportive. And you know, participate in these fun events that have been the new normal for campaign fundraising. Now that we can't really gather in person, I would love if we were doing these at bars or restaurants or in people's homes, but that is not the reality of COVID campaigning. And so we're doing an event on uh, December 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I have over 30 former racers joining me And I'll give a little spiel, a couple other people will talk, and then people will go into breakout rooms to get to have some really intimate chats with their favorite racers. Yeah, I've heard from uh, different people who have attended these in the past, and they really have enjoyed it because, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, not only are you on the you know the the call with everybody but then it's really these breakout rooms that uh you know it's a very intimate experience of you know getting to uh you know chat in a smaller group with uh, some of these alumni to your point i know that obviously the virtual circumstances are not ideal but it almost opens up a a window in that opportunity for you to be able to find like sort of a more intimate space to rob's point that you may not get when you know you're talking to somebody in a line as as they're sort of receiving people and then you know taking autographs and such Exactly. I think in that way, it does make people more accessible. And I have people who are attending these events who might not have been able to make the trip to New York City or if we did it in Los Angeles or somewhere else, but who can just hop on Zoom for an hour and get to have this experience. And then, you know, maybe they come for the reality TV, but they didn't know how much they cared about the Manhattan District Attorney race. But after they hear our spiel and pitch and and about why this race matters so much and how we're really looking to transform what criminal justice looks like, 
uh, in New York and it'll have nationwide reverberations. People are so excited to be involved, not only in these events, but also in the campaign. Eliza, I see that you have uh, three teams from The Amazing Race, 32 Mm -hmm. participating on uh, the event on Wednesday night. Yes, I'm so excited and and so grateful that they're willing to support despite the fact that they've never met me in person. You know, we're, we're all Twitter and Facebook friends, but they are awesome. And three of my favorite teams, even though two of them have had a very big rivalry. I know. I was going to say, only Eliza Orleans could bring together Will and James and Leo and Alana. Uh, Considering everything that happened with the U-turn, here they are under one banner of Eliza Orleans' campaign. Yes. uh, Will and James, Leo and Alana, and Hung and Chi are are all going to be part of uh, Wednesday night. Have they given you any advice for the campaign in terms of potentially like uh, finding, you know, uh, Hmm. four of the other really strong (laughs) candidates to make an alliance to just get down to the final five candidates in the race? (laughs) They haven't. But that strategy seems to have worked quite well for them on this season of Amazing Race. And I wonder what uh, Corinne and I would have been like on a season of people who had not already competed in the Amazing Race. Yes. I mean, that's interesting as well is that, you know, uh, this came after this season that had all these reality TV contestants where it was so conducive to just the shows in general that ironically enough, it does come from two former reality TV contestants, but the season after a bunch of Survivor Big Brother where on paper you would think this would be the season where the big alliance forms. Exactly, exactly. But it's it's so strange to me watching it. This is the first season obviously any of us have watched since our season because it's been years and I have like a little bit of I would call race PTSD. It's I find mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. I find it really yeah. it's really tough to watch. Yeah, I know that uh, Corey Corey Cool, who uh, previously appeared on this and is actually going to be a guest on on your uh, panel as well, has said that he's had TAR nightmares, especially when a season is on, as to like waking up with cold sweats in the middle of the night about as if he was racing again in, in this exact situation and something bad happens. Right, exactly. You you misread your clue. You're you're running. You're trying to catch a train or a bus or a plane or a and and it's just yeah these panic inducing flashbacks. Well, Eliza, as somebody who's done both Survivor and The Amazing Race, is The Amazing Race trauma uh, different than you know sort of like looking back on it than the experience of playing Survivor? Oh gosh. Yes, I think it is different trauma, but they're both traumatic in their own way. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) There's just a different type of trauma. I think people after Survivor talk about the trauma of of trusting people again, of feeling paranoid or wondering whether they can even trust people in their real lives, especially if they were lied to in, in some or backstabbed in some very dramatic way. And you know, I was hoarding food after Survivor. I was I was very sick. Like people, some people talked about like wanting to just sleep outdoors or not being able to get comfortable. You know, all these different things that that have impacted you. But I think the amazing race trauma is replaying certain things. Oh, if only this had happened. If only that had happened. Because it feels mm. like you had so much less control over a situation. And on Survivor, if you're replaying something that happened, if you got voted off. Chances are, I mean, some people have gotten extremely unlucky, but chances are something you said or did or didn't do, or even if it was a book you were reading at Ponderosa before the game even started, it was something that got you voted out. Something. And on Amazing Race, truly, I would say most of the time, 
it's not the fault of the eliminated team. I mean, maybe it's like 50-50 the fault of the eliminated team. They didn't read their clue carefully. They made a mistake of some sort. They switched tasks when they shouldn't have. But I'd say at least half the time, it's just due to you know misfortune in, in that somebody else was a bad driver or got lost or gave you wrong directions or you know something unfortunate happened. Like For example, we were lost for so long heading to that task that I was terrible at the, the getting my, my motorcycle license. Mm. Mm-hmm. And had we not gotten lost, we might have been one of the first teams there. And I eventually completed it. So maybe had I been there, I knew we were in the lead and we hadn't lost our lead and we were there maybe I would have been able to complete, who knows? And we were not that far off, you know, when it came to the end of that leg. But by the time we completed that, we were far too far behind to to catch up. So, you know, there are just so many things you rethink that are, I mean, listen, certainly failing that task was my fault, but like, what could we, ha- what could have happened differently that it wouldn't have turned out that way? I'm so, I'm yeah. so genuinely curious about, you know, the, the clientele that you prepared here, because it's really like a big list of heavy hitters and, and, you know, deep pulls. But when it comes to arranging people to come to this, especially from like an amazing race community perspective, what was it like to, you know, put out, was it putting out a call? Was it, you know, obviously you've connected with people from your own season and other seasons. How were you able to arrange really a wide spectrum of guests for this event? So, mostly I directly reached out to the people who I'm the closest to and made personal asks. I called and spoke to them on the phone or called and left voicemails or uh, texted. And then I had some amazing people helping me like Brooke Kamai, who is an incredible organizer, you know, and she was Mm -hmm. behind the scenes texting everyone to be like, can you come? Can you come? I want to confirm that you're going to be there. You know, Brooke's like very, very detail oriented. And and so she's been helping out and Cindy was helping out. And, you know, a lot of folks are just, uh, or people have just DM'd me or reached out to me, or I've sent them Twitter messages or Instagram messages or Facebook messages who maybe I don't have their phone numbers. Um, But they've all, everybody's been very enthusiastic to help. Eliza, have you been embraced with open arms from the Amazing Race alumni community or do they still uh, sort of look at you as like, no, she's mm-hmm. really a survivor? She's not. She's yeah, not she, she didn't, where where did us. she originate? Yeah. That's an interesting question. You know, I. Like Beast Mode Cowboy. Is he <laughs> is he welcomed into into our survivor alumni circles? No. <laughs> Would do you, do you disagree? I, I don't. I'm worried. That I'm worried. I, I want to know if the Amazing Race alumni looks at you differently over that. Oh no, she's not a pure Amazing Racer. She's from Survivor. Most of the racers, like a lot of these racers, were people that I've known for for 15 years. I mean, yes. so I think like a lot of them are super accepting and excited to have us as part of the community. But again, like since we've been on race, there haven't been that many events or whatever. So it's not, it doesn't feel like there's as much of a community. You know, I feel more like a survivor than a, than a racer. Well, and also I think yeah. does help that I think the representatives from the amazing race on your season, like, I don't, I think you couldn't find better advocates for yourself than like team fun and Colin and Christy, probably like those are the types of personalities that you're like, no, she's cool. She can hang with us. Like I can vouch for her right now. Yeah. And Tyler and Corey. Yeah, exactly. Like you got some, you got some good teams to really like get you into the cool kids club of the Amazing Race alumni. Corey, cool kids club. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Eliza, so this season, you know, a lot of the fans have been very upset about the alliances and uh, too much alliances on The Amazing Race. As somebody who has come out of the survivor world, have the alliances bothered you as much as it has uh, some of the viewers? No. I think this is just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just impressed. This is really, I mean, they've done an excellent job of helping each other when it was beneficial to them and it has been beneficial to them. And that's, you know, there's certainly no prohibition on alliance making in Amazing Race. And we've seen it really benefit teams in the past. So the fact that from episode one, they were smart enough to get into this alliance and have a core three and an outer two and a, you know, we're going to utilize this to get to the end. I think it's brilliant. I don't fault them at all. Yeah. Well, looking at looking at the final five teams, like you said, there there is a clear three team sort of next step. Do you think looking at those three teams, those are going to be at the top three? Is there anyone that you're rooting for in particular, whether from those three or beyond, to to make it the finals or go all the way? Um, well, I love Will and James. I just, I mean, how can you not love them? They're like the perfect. They're like just such perfect reality TV, like, like villains, but not like in a hateful way, just Mm -hmm. like in a strategic way. And they obviously care so deeply and love the show and are doing it because of how much they love it. And so I I kind of think, um, you know, I I can't really help but root for them. Um, But I actually think like most, I don't have really anyone in the top five who I'm like, oh, that would be a devastating winner. Like, I actually think like these are all five teams are are pretty likable as teams go. And is that the general consensus? I haven't heard much about this season. I don't really think that there's been too many teams that are disliked in this season. Yeah, I mean, I would not say on the level of like vitriol I, you know i know i actually say that like the, the past few amazing race seasons we're, we're we'll web past the days of like jonathan and victoria where there's one team that's just absolutely despised i think it's more so that people are either frustrated or maybe growing a bit bored of the alliance talk that it's it's more so like okay like i i'm not as big of a fan of them because of all the the alliance stuff that's really why like the groundswell movement behind Leo and Alana and Kaylin and Haley was building to a fever pitch the past couple of weeks. Cause it was namely like, okay, anyone who's not in the Alliance we're automatically rooting for, but I don't, I don't think it's done any, any sort of malice more so just from an entertainment perspective. Right. I liked the blondes and I, and loved Leo and Alana as well. So I would have been thrilled to see either of them make it farther too, but it's not like there's anyone on these, on, on these of these final five teams that I that I dislike, you know, I, I think, yeah. I think once again, this highlights the fact that all women teams on the amazing race are just completely disadvantaged, you know, the inherent misogyny of the amazing race. Like that's the, the headline, right? Because in, in 32 seasons of the amazing race, only three, all women teams have won. Mm-hmm. What do you think they could do to try to uh, remedy that being such an issue for the all women teams? I don't know. It's hard to end yeah. structural misogyny. Well, th- there's one thing that I do want to ask because actually uh, some listeners were talking to us about this week that, you know, Kaylin and Haley this season in particular seem to have a lot of bad luck with cabs. Yes. And I would love to know from like your own experience, either from an amazing racer or you obviously like a very well-traveled person as well. Is there some sort of gender incorporation when it comes to taxi dynamics that may have informed their performance somehow? Could be. It's hard to say, you know, I, I, I can't say, I think Corinne and I had a little bit of bad luck with cabs in multiple legs, but is it because we're women? I, I don't, I don't know that I can say that for sure, but I think that it's certainly 
there's certainly something to it. And people were like, oh, they got so lucky because of the non-elimination legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non-elimination legs in our season, Chris and Brett got the first one, but then Rachel and Alyssa got the next two. So mm-hmm. it was, again, used on all women teams the majority of the time. But that's to be expected when I think like somehow the amazing race is clearly stacked against teams that are all women. Was there one task this season that you felt like was really going to be uh, in your wheelhouse that you saw on the amazing race 32? Um, God, there were so many fun ones this season that I've like really enjoyed watching some of which I would certainly not want to do. Um, mm-hmm. you're getting, you getting in your hands anywhere around anyone's dentures. Uh, is that, is that something you're, you're into? <laughs> Wait, when they do the this or that, you can't switch, right? You're stuck with that one. I think is the rule. I'm trying to remember. I I'm trying to rem- I I don't remember actually if if you cuz I've in the, when it was first in, uh, introduced, I think they could go back and forth cuz it was in the same location, but I'm not sure if they were restricted mm-hmm. to doing that uh from then on as to okay, well, reaching to someone's I mouth. I think they could. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not sure. Um I would have much preferred to do like I'd much prefer to do the bracelet one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you got there and it was you know work on people's dentures, you would switch right away. I don't know. I mean, depends how far they are. There are a lot of factors. We had kind of made a decision before we, we went on to say, yeah. unless we truly believe that it's impossible and we will never finish it, we will not switch because it's almost never in your favor to switch, even though obviously Hung and Chi have, have disproven that theory this season. But, mm-hmm. but I think typically the, the amount of time you waste by switching to another thing and then starting from scratch, unless you know that some you're never going to finish it someone else is behind you you know they haven't started either or you can convince them to also switch with you but you're still taking a huge risk so we basically had decided we were never going to switch tasks i feel like i already done the dentures yeah i feel like i already know the answer to this one Uh, are you surprised and or pleased that there does not seem to be a head-to-head in this season of the race given uh what happened to you and corinne in vietnam last season i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was true, technically not technically not shown uh deep cut deep cut uh fans might might know what i'm talking about but yeah yeah i think head-to-heads are pretty stupid i don't know i think it like goes against the idea of a race as well like especially if it's right before like it's one thing it's early on and then you have an opportunity to do something whatever but like to do that right before when there's a mat right on the other side of it i, I think mm-hmm. like kind of defeats the purpose of a race you race to get a place and then you're like oh cool now you have to sit here and go up again i don't know it's not my favorite thing mm-hmm. um but i also think i was trying to think of what tasks i liked i actually liked the setting the table task because it's like yes. you have to be so precise and, and perfect <laughs> and you measure each thing and like you know i, I think i would have been really fast at doing it and i, I think i would have enjoyed that one um I liked some of the other tasks. They had to do multiple, like matching a human to a thing, mm. like so whether it was the, the when they held the thing in the columns and matched yeah. the person with the turban and found their location or the matching in the art museum where they had to find the right. person. I like stuff like that. I kind of like think I have a good eye for stuff like that. So I probably would have enjoyed that. Um, I would not have enjoyed walking down the side of a building. I think you would have aced the sauerkraut portion of it. I think maybe I know. Like the walking if down would have been we knew that there was like a puzzle. So I said our, our decision was that I was going to do heights challenges if there was a puzzle associated so there was ones where you had to like walk across a bridge do a little puzzle and then you know and we were like okay unless corinne's gonna do all the heights ones unless there's a puzzle in which case eliza will suffer through the heights 
because she has to do the puzzle because Corinne might get stuck on the puzzle and be there forever. Like, so this was like a thing that we had already decided. So I don't know if we would have, who we would have chosen in that, in that one, but I would not have been happy to walk down the side of that building. I would have done it, but I would have been unhappy. Eliza, did you keep up with Big Brother 22 to keep an eye on your fellow Amazing Race 31 uh, alumni, uh, Nicole Franzel? No, after Janelle got voted off, I stopped watching. Okay. That, uh, that so you didn't see that much. It was, it was, it was, it was a good three weeks, though. It was a good three yeah. weeks. I enjoyed those three weeks, uh, and then you know I kind of followed a little bit on Twitter what was going down. But I I just I it was it's so many hours a week that it's like a huge investment for something that I I really just wasn't that invested in. I hear that, yeah. yeah especially when you got, you got, you got a lot, you're very busy, got a lot to, of important things to prep for. I can imagine that silly costumes and Zingbot mics for take a backseat to all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eliza, so it's a Wednesday night is uh, the event. Uh, people can still uh, join in. Correct? Yes, yes, yes. Tickets are on sale until probably, you know, Wednesday afternoon or something. We'll cut it off at some point because we'll have to start. Okay, so uh, just to give out that uh, website uh, one more time, uh, elizaorlands.com slash amazing race. And uh, it's going to be the uh, about an hour before the episode on Wednesday. Exactly. Night? We'll start promptly at seven. It'll go one hour and then people on the East Coast can go directly into watching the, is that the, is it the finale? That's a, no, yeah, the no, third, third to last. Okay, I'm just okay. kidding. The yeah. third to last episode. They can go directly into watching the third to last episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, go directly to watching the third, the third to last episode and uh, get the chance to uh, contribute to Eliza's campaign mm-hmm. and then also get the chance to hobnob with Amazing Race <laughs> alumni. Uh, where where else are you going to get that opportunity? Yeah, and I also, I think there's also, um, so there's some ticket tiers. I believe there's also like an after party tier where people can also what hang out with uh, with some of the racers after the event is is finished as well after that hour. Yes, if people purchase the after party tier, we we will stay on and hang out. And uh, you know, I think everyone has DVR, so we can you know go a little bit into the episode if if need be. Yes, uh, and Eliza, I also understand that you are playing a lot of Among Us right now. I am. It's pretty addictive, and I've never really been a gamer. Like I've I, I've always loved. You know, I mean. Bring bring on the Scrabble, Taboo, 25 Words or Less, yes. Charades, mm-hmm. Mafia, like love, love word games, strategy games, etc. But I've never been much of like a video gamer, like actual where you have to actually do stuff. So anyhow, I started playing Among Us. I never like I wasn't like I didn't fully understand the purpose of the game. I was like, oh, we'll figure out who the imposter is. And I just used to not even do my tasks because I didn't even think like I needed to. Like it was like mm-hmm. such a low level and then once I started playing on Thanksgiving Day, because I was doing solo Thanksgiving, because I'm a household of one, and I thought that was the responsible thing to do, I played Among Us on Twitch. And so for the first time ever, people are watching my screen as I'm playing and just just making fun of me, just like obliterating me online by like taking clips. Were you playing with strangers or you were playing against other people you knew? I was mostly playing against people I knew, okay. but... Yeah. The people watching were strangers right. or some people I knew, yes. whatever, watching. Yeah, they, they, were, they were backseat gaming. They were saying, they were why did you do that? Of it because like there's this one task where you have to like pull a credit card out of a wallet and you have to oh, swipe yeah. Yeah. a credit uh, card. Terrible. And usually I can get it on like the second, third, whatever. And I was like, swipe, swipe. And it was like, bzz, 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 like red light. Amazing race like, task. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs like, down. Oh my God. Slow, and it's so it much again. pressure because everyone's watching you and they're like, Eliza can't get the swipe. And I'm like, stop. Like you're putting so much pressure on me. 
Um, but it was also so funny because there are all these things that I, that you just miss while you're, and then if everyone else is watching, they're like, oh, as you walked right by a dead body, you didn't report it. Everyone's going to think you're the killer. And I'm like, oh my God. How did I, I didn't even know I'd like never reported a dead body because I didn't realize that like a report button comes. Up. Anyhow, I'm learning a lot. I have a new camera. I'm like going to probably get a dual monitor. Like I'm really going to get set up wow. uh, because I think that it's like a great way to like, first of all, do something that's entertaining and fun, but also get the opportunity to then get in front of a lot of people and talk about these issues that matter. And like why electing a district attorney who has represented thousands of people and actually cares about human beings rather than just perpetuates this like lock them up throw away the key mentality why that matters and and so it's kind of fun to to kind of make it a mixture of things and not be like oh come Mm -hmm. sit with me on twitch while i sit here and look into a camera and for four hours talk about our criminal legal system and why it's rigged against people of color and lgbtqia folks and and people with disabilities and in favor of those who are wealthy and well connected or i can like kind of splice that in while we're all playing games together and doing fun things yeah. and murder some fuzzballs. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's yeah. also nice to like keep your debate skills like nice and warm. Right. I know it's, it's sort of like apples and oranges, but you get the ability to be like, no, I, I got him. I got you. You're the murderer. You're the imposter. I know it. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, among us is a game about justice where we're looking for to find the person who was the wrongdoer and then shoot them out the airlock. Exactly. We're just trying to do our, we're just trying to fly in space peacefully. And there are imposters among us right. who are trying to sabotage us and kill us. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Eliza, thank you so much for uh, joining of us. Of course. To catch up about what you're doing and amazing. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thirty-two again. That link again uh, is go to uh, elizaorlands.com slash amazing race and uh, Eliza. Good luck on Wednesday night. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And um, I think there'll be some. You know, we're we're updating the list as as it. As we get more responses, people hear about it and they're like, oh, I'd love to come too." people who weren't responding to my phone calls. And they're like, oh, like the cool kids are going. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'll come. I'll come. So anyhow, keep an eye out. And uh, hopefully there'll be some special guests as well who we haven't 100 percent confirmed. But who? Okay, pop. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Mike, there you go. Eliza Orleans, uh, maybe your new uh, Manhattan uh, district attorney. But for that? now, definitively a uh, hostess with the mostest of some of the best reality TV political crossover content we have. And yeah, I mean, she really, I, I was so excited for this event even before she came on here and just her, her passion for both the reality television and, you know, how that crosses into the real world really does speak through the screen. And so I'm so excited. If, again, if you go to elizaorleans.com slash amazing race, you can see the lineup that she has several amazing race winners, a bunch of people from all the way back of like season three of the amazing race. There's a lot of great contestants. And as Liza said, more coming. So You have no excuse not to check it out, especially because it airs an hour before the episode proper. All right. We are going to have uh, lots more uh, feedback, social media, games. Sasha Joseph is going to be uh, joining us in uh, just a moment. But first, let me thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at ButcherBox. And Mike, you know this. When it comes to meat, Quality matters, uh, but there's more to it than just texture and taste. Of course, uh, you want high quality, humanely raised meat. Of course, uh, better for you, better for the animal, better for the environment. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite cut of meat? 
Oh, you know what? I am sort of like a thigh guy. Uh, you know, maybe thigh in, in honor of maybe in honor of like the mega leg, I really am into something of like of the lower body variety. So I, I usually go, go for that part rather than the upper body of yeah. an animal. Okay. Well, luckily today's sponsor, ButcherBox, believes everyone deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat and you can get it shipped right to your door with ButcherBox. And they've got a great offer now. I know that we talked about some other Big Brother alumni, but Adam Pock, if you're listening, how about this? Free bacon for <gasps> life with your ButcherBox subscription when you go to ButcherBox.com slash R-H-A-P. ButcherBox, they ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. All their meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones, and each box is 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 meals. Packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum-sealed so it stays that way. You can customize your box or go with one of theirs. Either way, it's exactly what you want. You don't have to go to the Kazakhstan Bazaar like the Amazing <clears throat> Racers did to try to see some high-quality meat. ButcherBox, it's a no-brainer. Uh, it's the best meat shipped right to your door, which means less trips to the grocers, which uh, is very important right now. Options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, that's my favorite, and that sugar, nitrate-free bacon. It's the way meat should be. ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat, and with ButcherBox, you get the highest quality meat for around $6 a meal. So bacon for life. That's right. Right now, new members can get bacon for life when they sign up. Just go to butcherbox.com slash R-H-A-P. That's a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription. Great for a gift or for any time at butcherbox.com slash R-H-A-P. Okay. Do not yield. You can do it right now. Yes. All right. So... Let's talk some more about uh, this episode, and let's bring in one of our uh, RHAP Class of 2020 members, and she had a lot to say on social media about this episode. We said, hey, let's get her here on the podcast to talk with us. Welcome back, Sasha Joseph. Sasha, how are you? Hi, everyone. So excited. I'll give myself 90 seconds to freak out that I'm here. Yes. (laughs) Hey, Sasha, are you an Amazing Race super fan? Yeah, I think so. This is Amazing Race is the first um, RHAP actually podcast I got into um, and I've been watching for a long time. I think I just love the idea of like putting myself on the task and being like, oh, here's what I would have done. Here's what I would have. But I always forget people's names until like someone else says it. So I remember the tasks more than I do people's names. So that being said, what's your five hole? What's the task that you feel like you would be able to like kill no matter what? I think Bollywood dancing, which I was really surprised wasn't on this episode, but I think dancing, I could mm-hmm. kill it. That, that is interesting. I feel like outside of that that bottle routine, which is more about balance than it was dance, we actually haven't mm-hmm. had a dance task yet on The Amazing Race, which feels very atypical for the show. Exactly. And I was really disappointed with it because I was like, yes, this is where the dancing is going to happen. Got it. Yeah. Sasha, but let no. me ask you a question. Um, uh, before I a- ask Mike, uh, do you think that Mike is a good dancer or no? What do you think? <laughs> mm, I feel like, you know what? This could be like a throw off. So I think maybe you are. I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'm going to guess also. I'm going to lock in yes. I know he has a lot of musical theater in his background. So I, I bet Mike has probably had to uh, perform on stage. I've already bet on Mike uh, this month in a 40 yard dash. So I'm also <laughs> double down. down. Yeah, that Mike can also dance. 
Yeah, Rob, I did not take an African dance class my second semester senior year of college to not be called a good dancer. I like to think I'm at least pretty good. I have I have rhythm. Could you I've beat got Puya music in a dance off? Oh, that's going to be. You know what? If this yeah, entire like thing dance though. I feel like he Yeah, I think it. if this entire thing spins off into Puya and I doing like Kenny versus Spenny esque bets on who's going to do what, then then that's then that's absolutely fine. I'm all for it. But I think I think I at least have the ability to like dance yeah. i think when i when i'm left to my own the vices that's when it gets a, a little dicey but if you give me a choreography like i will slay i will hit that floor and n- people will be you know uh, fanning themselves afterwards <laughs> period yeah. yes i love this <laughs> so sasha that you had uh made some tweets about how that you had a, a lot of thoughts on the leg in india and i would love if we could hear uh some of your takeaways about that here on the podcast yeah um so first i think before the leg had even started i was really excited to show see if they would showcase some rickshaw drivers yes. mm. because Actually, before, before we get that can you just yeah. give the listeners your uh your background so oh uh, yeah get a, a, a little bit of a, <laughs> a sense of uh why you're so knowledgeable all right for those of you that don't know um I am Indian. I lived in Mumbai, not Hyderabad, but Mumbai till I was 14. So um, I think the accent comes in and out randomly. But you live in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. So I'm from Oklahoma, but I live in the Bay Area now. So I like to, you know, change countries every five years, Mm -hmm. like Oklahoma. Then I moved to San Francisco. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So I can tell you a lot about, you know, California, India, Oklahoma, you name it. I got you. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So... The the race is heading to uh, to India for. Uh, did you know about the uh, that it was the the, uh, the cyber cyber capital? city? Yeah, cyber so, city. Yeah, just like Ishwar and Aparna. Actually, um, I was the same way. Where they said in the cab. Um, because I th- I think of cyber capital, tech capital as Bangalore, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. Hyderabad. Like for me, Hyderabad is known as like where a lot of forts and palaces and um, a lot of food. The biryani is ah, like so the bomb. Swiggy comes in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> The Hyderabad Cafe, I think they went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so I, I know that uh, even outside of Hyderabad, I know that India is probably one of the most visited countries mm-hmm. in the Amazing Race. Whenever you see that teams are going to India, Sasha, is, is that something that, that excites you? Are you always intrigued to find out like what they're visiting culture-wise in India? Yeah, I think it's it's a second piece also where it's I want to know what they're going to end up doing and saying that this is part of the culture and like this is what Indians do. That piece and I'm sure like everyone feels that way when they go to when the race goes to their country but that's I think the funniest part because India shows up I think a little more often than most and I did a quick I I got bored honestly but I I saw at least two different um, seasons like 27 and 20 that went to India as well and um, it was really interesting because though and I was reading through those tasks and I was like oh yeah these were way more fun than stupid dentures so that was like the hill that I just I felt like I will die on like that that was so messed up I feel like it was a bad task yeah they just they fighting you on that I hope not you know if I maybe yeah because she moved through it so quick so mm. but we're not all hung so no mm-hmm. yeah well no well okay. here, yeah. all right uh so <laughs> sasha you said uh they got to get random rickshaws to do a smog check well i thought iswar and aparna said that don't call them rickshaws call them autos 
I so I I asked my family this in India or in Mumbai at least, and I was like, "Do you call it auto or do you call it rickshaw?" And it was pretty split. So I think auto. I think I would give it to Aparna that I think autos make a lot more sense. A lot of people call it that. I definitely call it rickshaw. Like I'll just say like rickshaw or like, you know, yeah, I think I actually say rickshaw and like grab them. Literally how Gary and D'Angelo were grabbing them and moving them to the uh, smog tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that you you also said that the rickshaw drivers. I mean, we get a little bit of a glimpse of this. Like they're 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 much more, I think, carefree than some of the other uh, cab drivers that we've experienced on the amazing race. Can you talk a little bit more about what what sort of the auto rickshaw experience? Is yes. Like? Oh my god, I feel like this is my best take in life, and I'll never peak after this. But when I was little, and my mom like loves to remind everyone about this. Don't ask me why. One day, I told my mom, "Hey, let's not get this rickshaw wala or the this rickshaw." Um, um, because the person, the rickshaw lala is the person driving, um, was on one butt cheek. And like if they drive, <laughs> so you're more reckless or they are more reckless if they drive on one butt cheek versus where they're both planted on the seat. So enormous. If that was the case for like podcasting. explain why yeah so they're more reckless they're more likely to show off right because they're like look at everything crazy i can do and i'm driving like this like you're more just wild you're wild in (laughs) so i'm podcasting on one butt cheek right now and i feel very unbalanced they show up they show up sort of like lopsided and then you know that that person is going to be trying to show off yeah and they're gonna you know and I'm sure we've seen it. We saw it here. We've seen it every other Indian leg ever. But right, streets are chaos. So you mm-hmm. need someone when for the amazing race, not in life. In life, you want to firmly plant it on the seat. But in the amazing race, you have to get that one butt cheek guy because he's going to go through and navigate these wild, wild streets of India. And you're going to get to your destination faster. And I hot take, but it's true. And then my mom asked, told her friends that you know, little Sasha said this and everyone agreed with me. Oh, <laughs> and they were like, Oh my God, we never thought of this, but this is correct. And it really is the way they drive. So next time anyone goes to India, send me a video and of your crazy rickshaw driver. And it's most likely one butt cheek guy. So, all right. So we need a, so this is a list for Misery 33 and beyond. Yes. The things you need to do when you encounter a taxi. One, check the gas gauge. Two, <laughs> make sure they know where they're going. Three, what's their butt situation? How yes. balanced are they? <laughs> you like go three, fill those three pieces of quota and then you're able to, to move on with your day. Exactly. And that's how you win the amazing race. Okay. Sasha, you also said that no auto in India is actually doing a smog test. Okay. Well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's so bad. No, I, I really, in my heart, don't believe that they do it as often. Maybe I should amend, but the way they were showing it to us, like it just felt like, oh, this is a thing that happens all the time. Let's help pollution. Pollution in India is very bad. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that the rickshaw drivers are going to necessarily, especially in peak time, because that looked like um, afternoon-ish time. So they're not going to go let go of a fair to get a smog test. I still don't understand what was in it for the drivers, how they were. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Sasha, <laughs> you, you are the, you are the, over for a, for a smog test. Sasha, you are the, you are the auto driver whisperer. Like, what do you think <laughs> is going through their heads of like, okay, sure, American, like, I'll let you pull my rickshaw over. Guys were pulling over. For no, that. exactly. That was it was always the calm guys. Yeah. Yeah. The calm guys that, 
you know, it's I bet you it's most people that just started driving rickshaws because they're like, okay, like this is how you get a fare. This is how weirdo Americans. Because I think, yeah, like it's e- obvious with the accent. They're American screaming. So I think they were like, oh, this is how like Americans don't understand. They're random in the middle of the street. Like I'm going to get a fare. So mm-hmm. I think it was a bait and switch situation mm-hmm. that happened. Cause- or or button switch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So to me, it's, I feel like, you know, my, my people were bamboozled a little, um, yes. but Aparna was doing it the most. So that's why it was fine because she got, she was one of the first people, at least with the edit that actually sat in the rickshaw and then um, was driving, like literally leading the person to the smog check. What about the other tasks? Did any of them really stand out to you? I really like the bangles task. Yes. I think mm. we could have done more. Um, because more bangles. Or something else with it. Like, I literally, here's my bangle Oh, box. my goodness. Bangle box. Right? Yeah. Oh, is that going to be your next sponsor, Rob? Oh, wait. yeah, Pang- please. Yeah, check out <laughs> bangle box. Get extra bangles. Yeah, you get um, one hand free. RJP. <laughs> one hand free when you deck out the first one. But... <laughs> Um, but yeah and it was really interesting because I thought it was a good task to find it but then like there there was a whole bride there I feel like we could have done more gotten the brides involved like dress up the bride or they could have dressed up the king I think that also mm. could have been a thing that happened instead of just kind of matching the turban like this cheap little turban they found um, probably in that same uh, marketplace but they like to me, they could have done something with the king where, you know, you could have some jewels on some mm-hmm. um, like a bunch of things I felt like you could do and to really showcase the culture instead of like augmented reality. Just a random king shows up. You didn't like that task with the uh, with the iPad. Can you is that a real thing you can do? Go to the tomb with an iPad? I never I mean, I've never been to Hyderabad, but like, I don't think that that's the tourist trap mm-hmm. that they maybe want us to think it is. OK. Um. Anything else from the mega leg that you thought was interesting? Um, I really loved actually the um the last task wh- where they had to do the um the fort the place settings. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, the table and the place settings. And I would like to. S- it's interesting because I don't know how many kings and queens were doing that before the British showed up to India. So mm-hmm. it was an interesting piece where um I felt like there was a lot of British influence with that task because. My grandpa was really big on how the place um, was set and he would get really angry if it wasn't set well, but his dad worked for the British. So that's actually where he got it from. So it was an interesting task, I would say. Mike, did you incorporate any of those fancy place settings into your Thanksgiving this year? Yeah, I walked up with my finger just pointed out being like, all right, all right. No, I have a one one and a half year old son. Like it's pure chaos at the dinner table, no matter what. He just has no sense of you multiple utensils. So he does really like forks. So he usually wields a fork in each hand like he's some sort of demented Tim Burton character yeah. at any point in time. So he's just constantly stabbing things. Oh, I love that. that. Everything was one lightsaber apart. Yeah, exactly. I really, that was that was actually my ruler was I would just make sure that everything was within the the uh, the parameters. Oh, but before we get into everything, because I, I would love to even go back to before the season shot, Sasha, because I know that when uh, we released the cast, I know that you were one of the most like vocally excited about the cast, particularly Iswar and Aparna. And I think that your connection with them and thoughts about them even preseason just 
goes to show, obviously, there's been the recent CBS initiative for at least 50% BIPOC representation in reality TV. And Amazing Race is working towards that. And I think a team like Iswar and Aparna and your connection with them is, is a great reason why that continues to, to need to be the case. Yeah, I agree. And um, I would even I, I talked a little bit about this where I would like to push a little bit more. Right. Like, I think the two of them are amazing. And, you know, my winner pick all the way. I love them. Um, and I would like to say, you know, like, how about we don't get um, two engineers from Bay Area? Right. Like when I mean diversity, right, like show people from all walks of life, not just necessarily the stereotypical mm-hmm. Indian. Like yeah. I'm just speaking for myself. I don't want to stereotype any other cultures, but mm-hmm. you know, it's so that's where I would want to push a little bit more um, where it isn't just this typical, even though you have a bunch of pe- people of color, a BIPOC people, um, but if they don't necessarily represent actual diversity in who they are in their being, um, it's not real diversity. It's performative at that point. Okay. All right, Mike, do you want to bring in some of the questions that we got from our listeners? Yes, so uh, yes, about the mega leg. And so uh, Jessica Lee says, Rob said, unfortunately, couldn't make it here, but send her some love. Uh, She did a great job collating all of these responses that you all sent in across social media. Let's start with a question from Trevor. And, you know, we we haven't talked cursed photos really on The Amazing Race, but there might be something going on with the cast photos here. Trevor says, Notice that all three teams doing a piggyback parentheses neck hug pose in their cast photos made it to the final five. What are the odds for an all neck hug final three? So yeah, this was brought to our attention (laughs) that in the team cast photos, there are three teams that have the pose where one person is like kneeling or crouching down and their partner is above them and is either doing like a piggyback or has their their arm around their neck. And those teams are Iswaran Aparna, Hung and Chi, and Gary and D'Angelo. And these are the only three teams to do that pose in their cast photos. And they are also three of the five teams left. Hmm. Okay. So neck hug, I think, is sort of... Uh, we're, we're using this very loosely. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say that Iswaran Aparna and Hung and Chi, I would say that uh, in addition to both uh, being sort of like the Burgundy teams, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, they're both like giving like a piggyback ride uh, where... We see uh, uh, that uh, Aparna is on Iswar's back and Hung is on Chi's back. But I, I would not say that uh, <laughs> Gary uh, is giving D'Angelo a piggyback ride. I feel like that it's more like that, that D'Angelo Williams has Gary in a headlock. <laughs> yes, Maybe he yes. definitely does. So it's less about the pose and more so about like the tone behind it. The other ones are like, oh, we're having fun. This is a great time. And D'Angelo is like, Swear to God, dude, like puff up like a blowfish one more time and you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or talk about my wife, right? One more time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, yeah. Listen, what'd you say about <laughs> taking care of my wife after I died during the yeah. room? So, I would like to say everyone's wife. faves. Kelly and LaVon is all, they're also doing like a neck hug. It was oh. a little loose, but. Just just mm, wanted to point that. Uh, could, could, could the tightness of the neck hug inform your performance? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Nathan and Cody also have a uh, rather awkward uh, embrace in this photo. Also, love them. <laughs> Bring them back. Bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm not buying the neck hug final three <laughs> theory. <laughs> All right. 
We'll see. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the photographers Sorry, knew all the way back then they were sort of making their own picks for the final three and having those poses happen. And we just, <laughs> so, I mean, we're now seeing their own, their own predictions manifest. Okay. So let's, let's go into the mega leg proper and let's go to that first roadblock. Uh, even though Sasha was not a huge fan of the AR test, trans Yeti asked us, was the turban matching easier for the blondes because there were less spots left to figure out where to put them? Yeah. That seemed like the most difficult part of the task to me. Also, it did look like there were less people to choose from. And it's an interesting caveat that I hadn't thought of when we were talking about, you know, obviously one of the big things I took away from that roadblock was teams couldn't really help each other because, you know, it was sort of like a first come first serve thing. And you would think, okay, there's only 18 spots. If there's only three left, then it's going to be that much harder. But I think Transietti brings up some great points that actually Kalen and Haley had a bigger advantage and that they were searching for only three spots among a, a group of you know people milling about the space that were had what 15 of them were removed at that point yeah and i think also it was really interesting because um i think it's yes to both because on the podcast um y'all talked a lot about like well wouldn't it be harder because you were you think you have a turban and then the you bring you know you, you have that locked in your mind but that turban's already taken or that yes. person's already yeah. taken so I, I don't know, like to me, it's like a give and take. It's a little bit mm -hmm. of both. And I think if you're at the end, maybe production is like, okay, like let's move this along a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So yeah, because it, this is a mega leg and you know, you still have yeah. so much more to do and you're at the end. Yeah. So I, I do think um, I, I agree with Sasha where that, it, yeah, it w if you knew, if you like went to the second part and so, oh, there's only three spots left. Okay, I have to find the three people that correspond to those. So, okay, so now I have to go down into the basement with the iPad and now stare at this one. Okay, that's the guy that I have to find. But when you're down there with the iPad, I don't think you realize yet until you come up that, oh, there's only three parking spaces left for these guys. Yeah, exactly. And actually, so speaking of that task, uh, I, I want to go to a question from John Kay here, because obviously in us moving forward with the Mind 5, the storyline has really turned into, well, look at how, what scoundrels Gary and D'Angelo are. But John Kay points out, uh, you know, we have seen Gary and D'Angelo criticized for not helping other teams, but they really helped Will and James at the turban checking task. Who knows how long they would have been there otherwise, to which Will and James responded by not helping Gary and D'Angelo at all at the table setting challenge. Hmm. So my question is, are Gary and D'Angelo getting a bad rap? Sure, maybe they haven't had much to offer other teams, but when they do, they're happy to help. And I think, you know, to answer John Kidd's question, I think we're in agreement that I, I do think that the Gary and D'Angelo at least from the edit perspective, has been very much overblown of like, you know, Gary did. It's actually uh, not pretty comparable to the person who came on before you, Sasha, and Eliza Orland, who like had a very similar, um, fortunate, uh, you know, time on Survivor where like she would do one thing. People would be like, my God, this <laughs> yeah. person is the devil incarnate. Uh, but I think John brings up a great point that for all this grousing about like, how dare D'Angelo try to take an auto rickshaw from us? Gary was one of the people that told James after his freak out in the tombs, like, oh, no, you, you know, there's I went by this marker. You actually want to look out behind the tombs rather than try to go by the columns. Yeah, I think it's both. Right. It's I think, you know, again, y'all talked about this a little bit um, on the podcast where is it Gary and D'Angelo or is it D'Angelo? Um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of this like back and forth does seem to be him. And then Gary, like you said, was the one that helped. So that that's my question back almost oh, yeah. hmm. to the to the listener. 
you think that uh, D'Angelo has more of a case of like a uh, RBF where that people just don't <laughs> want to be uh, like a, a D'Angelo. He's always scowling. He doesn't look well, happy. Well, it's interesting, though, to Sasha's point, because if you look at the other two circumstances that earned a lot of consternation, it was the whole hung sauerkraut thing, mm-hmm. which was D'Angelo was the one who was doing the roadblock. Mm-hmm. Another thing was trying to you know, take the, the rickshaw from the volley bros, which D'Angelo was doing. So maybe it is a thing where like, maybe Gary just sort of has a different mentality about things and maybe D'Angelo is a bit more individually motivated. Uh, and so it, it sort of is a, a difference in that mentality. But yeah, I mean, I would also say like in general, don't paint them with a specific brush because as John K pointed out, like they, they can still help people. It's just not necessarily uh, conducive to, to every single circumstance that like yeah. maybe a hung would do it. Yeah. And I think it, it really is more that the Alliance of three decided that, okay, they're the next to go. And so that everything that they do is going to be highlighted more of like, Oh, can you believe those guys? Yeah. What and I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think whoever the louder one is um, always gets almost the heat more. So mm-hmm. it could be that, you know, everyone's kind of doing it, but just the way D'Angelo is. And, you know, I identify with D'Angelo because when I get competitive, like I suck and I'm annoying and no one wants to be around me. Um, so I understand like that mo- when you're in that mode, especially with the rickshaws, you're on the street, there's so much chaos. Um, I-, I understand and empathize with D'Angelo because I think I, I actually actually would have said the same thing you can't get two that's not fair mm-hmm. uh so that's why it's it's so hard to generalize because i just don't think we get the full um story we're just getting kind of what maybe the top three are telling mm-hmm. us all right so let's let's get into a little bit of fact checking here and oh. we talked we talked a lot about swiggy during yes. the detour uh, the first detour from the mega lake and we actually have an update from a swiggy customer uh, uday verma wrote us and said, as someone who has ordered from Swiggy for about a thousand orders and also knows engineers who work there, I can clear up some of the doubts. A thousand orders is a, is a lot of orders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you divide, like, I guess if you order, I mean, if you order three times a day from there, if you do breakfast, lunch and dinner, that is a year. So maybe it's mm. just like they've only been a customer for a year, but they've just done it very intensely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but they write, uh, so to, to clarify some stuff that maybe we brought up, delivery partners, the role, aka the role that the racers played for the detour, have an app which has a map feature that allows you to navigate to restaurants and customers' locations without talking to someone at customer support. More than 95% of the orders are processed without any contact with support, either for getting the order or finding the location. In the episode, they specifically mentioned that the Maps app was disabled for racers to make it tougher. So that clears up something that uh, mm-hmm. I do think that the sort of like uh, Houston contr- yeah. yeah, the Houston S <laughs> control room of of people sitting there fielding calls was probably a little bit of, of dress up on the races part. It's probably as much more ordinarily people looking at the the maps app on their phones to just figure out where to walk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Sasha, uh, that you also um, had an observation about the directions that uh, you thought the teams were getting. Yeah, I I do know that in India, um, directions and addresses just aren't the same as how it is here, where it's Hmm. not very grid like where in America, usually, right? Like it's very much here's the street, here's the cross street, whereas in India, it's very location based where like you take which we heard a lot from the um, from the operators where they were kind of saying, oh, are you at the name of this hostel? Okay, now turn left. So to me, it's I would have never picked that task because I know that directions in India are so bad. Um, mm-hmm. And 
even if someone was telling me the directions, I think it's so hard because just culturally, it's more you're more likely to give the direction to say by the white building or, you know, by this landmark, not necessarily like the name of this street. So gotcha. that's but, why. Yeah. And so, the, so that direction is more so I would almost say like in a pre-map era when you know, we do like the typical pull up to the gas yeah. station and like, how do I get there? Like, yeah, well, you want to find the rickety farmhouse down the road yeah. and then make the left after that. Then you're going to pass a, a nice looking mailbox, make a right. Like it's it's more so going by landmarks rather than turn left onto Main Street. <laughs> yeah. My old address in India literally was near a movie. Th- like it literally said near blank like movie theater and then opposite blank. Yeah. So that actually is how even in Mumbai, right, which is um, I mean, Hyderabad is just as uh, progressive, but mm-hmm. same thing where these big cities, it's still the same thing. I'm really bad with any sort of uh, directions like that. And I, I don't even know how people do that. And uh, I, I was watching an episode of The Mandalorian the other night and <laughs> uh, Mando got like instructions from uh, some woman. She was like, uh, go to this planet and then go to like, go to the, I'm like, wait, hold on. I need a pen right now. Hold on. Which, what, what, I'm sorry, what, what planet did you say? What, yeah, what but name? I think I- You've been too coddled, Rob, by our modern technology. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Like, you didn't have the ability to take down directions. You just memorize them and keep them in that helmet of yours. You didn't even say it twice. So, I don't know. Um, What about the name Swiggy, Sasha? Is that uh, translate to something or is that just somebody's name? No, I just think it's like a catchy little, like, cute, little cutesy thing that happens. Yeah. No. Um, it's all. They also noted that uh, all delivery partners, aka the people that are delivering the food, they use motorbikes and do not go on foot. So definitely a lot of unintentional or uh, uh, unnecessary schlepping going on mm-hmm. from the racers' part. And also customers do have to provide addresses, not go into my gym and find mm-hmm. me working out and deliver my food. Yeah. Okay. So definitely I, some clarifications from Swiggy. It seems like they're they're a pretty cool place to check in. And listen, if someone has, has ordered a thousand orders strong <laughs> from that service, I think that means that they're they're pretty reputable. Yeah. Okay. Yes, agreed. Let, right. Let's talk about something, uh, a couple of editing things. This is from Max. And this is something I didn't notice until it was really pointed out to me on, on by Max and on uh, the Amazing Race subreddit. But he said, during the mega leg, I was surprised to see that when Will and James were riding on the chariot, it cut to a wide shot of Caitlin and Haley in the same chariot instead. Have there been noticeably bad editing moments like this before during the race? And yeah, I really didn't notice it when I was watching the episode. But if you go back, there would be, you know, periodic shots of like, oh, Will and James are in their carriage chatting up with the socialites. But the wide shot they would use are of the blondes (laughs) in the chariot. Oh my god! They must have ran out of production budget at this point because with these tasks and with this editing, like what? But I didn't notice it either, Mike, until I was looking at the, um, you know, just looking at the hashtag because I like this because I think people are so funny on Twitter. So I love to see what folks have said about things. And then yeah, I saw that video too, and I definitely did not notice. My theory would be that they shot this so long ago. I think they just lost some of the footage, and then oh. it's like, all right, all right, we don't, we don't, we, well, we you know can't what find the wide shot of Will and James. All right, just they gave on. it to a PA, and they're like, all right, how do I get to the studio? Like, well, you're gonna want to go uh, around around to like the the you know this recording studio on sunset bay and then make like three lefts and then go past that palm tree and you'll see it right there mm-hmm. and a young rob sesternino ask pa just could never find his way there <laughs> wait, wait, what <laughs> do you have a do you have a key right down on my on my ipad is there an ar that guides mm-hmm. me there 
T-A-R, right. Oh, my. Oh, yes. Well, let, let's finish the off the uh, the feedback section here with a question from Chris J. The Blondes edit really hammered home how lucky they were. And while the show highlighted the, the Mind 5 alliance, it didn't show just how impossible it is to compete against five teams aligning against you. Did they or any other team actually have a chance? Or is this giving too much credit to the power of an alliance? So now that the Mind 5 has officially made the top five, I think we can do some dissection here as to how powerful it was. Yeah. So now looking back, like I think, I guess the thought experiment is if you replace any one of, of Kaylin and Haley with any one of the, I guess they dubbed themselves the sequester six, according to Leo and Alana, <laughs> the six teams that were eliminated. Um, if you replace them with any one of those teams are any teams, you know, screwed going up against that mind five Alliance, or do you think it was just circumstance that Kaylin and Haley particularly fell into bad, you know, a, a series of unfortunate events and have to be up against an alliance of five. Yeah, I, I don't think they were. Sasha, I'd love to uh, get your thought. Yeah, I um, it's a little bit of both, right? I think first, the first piece is that the five, the five are pretty strong teams in general. Like, Leo, uh, not Leo, and Leo and Alana, who are on the outs, were making their way kind of into that top five, like each leg ish. Even when they got yielded, right? Um, they still are U turn. Sorry, was it a yield or U turn? Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, they got U turn. Yeah, U turn because they did both tests. Yeah, mm. so when they got U turned, they still came, right came back and made it through. So I don't know. To me, what I feel is that. Um, the blondes just weren't um, aggressive enough from the start, like from the rickshaws, right? Because they were like telling the rickshaws, like, go over there versus... Yeah, they, were, they were not looking at those butt cheeks, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So to me, it's... I feel like maybe if there were other teams, like a little... Like a Leo and Alana, honestly, I think it would have been more possible for them to kind of make their way up but the two yields um y'all talked about this again a lot yeah. but um i don't know that they made a difference for the blondes but i think they would have made a difference for anybody else which is i'm assuming what the production wanted anyway um so that's why i find it a little a little hard because again i mm. don't think it matters for those two but like switch it out and change up a little bit. Yes, I think it would have been a big issue for people that weren't um, part of that five. I think it just depends on if, you know, they put themselves in that vulnerable position of being at the back of the pack again, mm -hmm. where the uh, mind five were all in front of them, especially with Hung and Chi being in danger, that it just put more an emphasis on, all right, we have to protect Hung and Chi more so that it was that they were targeting to try to get uh, Kalen and Haley out of the race. I, feel, I don't think that they were targeted. I think that Hung and Chi ended up being protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually to that point, so I, we'll get into the social media a little bit later, but I did remember seeing something from James where he actually said that at the first yield, they were actually planning to use on Gary and D'Angelo. Yeah. So maybe it was, it was sort of like a little bit of a, hey, I'm going to, you know, if we're speaking from a strategic perspective, I'm going to strike in my alliance while the iron is hot and maybe like pick up the, the Kalen and Haley vote, if you yeah. will. But he basically said that because Gary and D'Angelo were so close to them and because Kalen mm -hmm. and Haley were so far behind, they're like, he talked about this in a secret scene as well of how they really were like it was they it was a win-win situation in that if they if they yielded any other team there was a chance that team could not only pass them on the mega leg but then also yield them back Kaylin and Haley sort of had the unfortunate double jeopardy of being far behind and already used their yield so there was no way they could get their revenge on them yeah 
And I know mm-hmm. you haven't heard uh, my conversation with Kaylin and Haley, but they also uh, talked about that uh, in uh, my exit interview with them. Yeah, so that's that's what we've got for feedback this week. And let's get into some secret scenes here, because, of course, I can't say secret scenes without completing the sentence with the names Gary and D'Angelo. Uh, and we, we've got a couple here. You know, it was a double length episode, but suffice it to say there was a lot going on. But we've got a couple of choice NFL nuggets here for you. And let's actually start with where things end at the pit stop. Of course, Phil Kogan has had so much fun with Gary and D'Angelo and Phil has tried to, to stoke the flames a little bit of like the competitive rivalry between Gary and D'Angelo. And so this first clip is Gary and D'Angelo at the pit stop with Phil as there's going to make a, a comment about Gary's outfit uh, yes. for the roadblock that is going to then lead into some nice Phil Kogan uh, ribbing. Yes. And of course uh, they are both wearing the uh, dress of the people who uh, worked at the palace and are still in uh, that regalia as they uh, reach the mat. Here's Gary and D'Angelo with Phil. Oh, your pants are falling down. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. they didn't go over my calves. So we your calves so down. big you couldn't get your pants on? Yeah, my calves Super and my hamstrings. Super fashionable, too, like because he has the black tights underneath. D'Angelo, do you feel a little envious that the pants didn't fit him and his calf muscles are so big that he couldn't get his pants over his calf muscles? No. Uh, objection, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> Living the witness. <laughs> just let me just hear that question one more time from Phil. Do you feel a little envious that the pants didn't fit him and his calf muscles are so big that he couldn't get his pants <laughs> under his calf muscles? No. <laughs> I called the uh, the local tailor administration and put out a warrant for Gary's too tight pants. Yeah, you feel so oh envious that his pants uh, cannot fit over his calves. I've never, never had that thought before. That's why all the women love Gary, obviously. I, I, I guess so. No, I'm not at all, because he's obviously compensating Gary, you know for something. He's, you yeah. know he's <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, he's compensating for something. <laughs> D'Angelo. These two are a mess. Like they're a literal. Also, that mess. doesn't make. Th- I do not think the 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 phrase is like you know the tighter the calves. Uh, you know, it, no. I feel like there's not really a connection there with those no, body parts. I, that Mike, that is a well well known fact that people that are spending w- w- way too much time working on their uh, calf muscles uh, that they are overcompensating. Yeah, like you know, I think uh, if someone walks into the club and their their pants can't fit over their thighs, like. I know who I'm going home with. <laughs> they're not their thighs, they're calves. No, I can't even get past their, their thighs. Their legs are just so... Just, yeah, they have to wear, what, flood pants all the time? They just wear little knickerbockers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, bell bottoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, suffice it to say, so this is actually... I'll go into a little bit of social media here because uh, in response... So Gary tweeted, at D'Angelo RB, so the pants I had on were super tight on the lower half but way too big on the waist, which caused me to have to keep pulling the pants up. They kept falling down. So interesting dimensions in in Gary's pants here. Apparently they were like almost like genie pants in that they were super tight at the calves where it counts. Uh, But when it came to the waist, apparently it was very, very loose. So he doesn't tighten the string. Um, This is just a normal like pants. They're Indian pants. So they're, yeah, they're tight, like leggings, almost tight until your knees. I'm trying to think until your knees for men, I think. And then, yeah, it's like really loose hammer pants at the Mm -hmm. like, um, we call them like jasmine pants, but literally like so loose. Like as um, in like princess jasmine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. princess jasmine, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and from, yeah, the knee up. So you, li- there's 
because it's kind of almost like a one size fits all waist. So you literally have to tighten. There's two strings, like any sweatpants or whatever, but where they, you have to pull the strings like a lot for some folks where, um, and you can let loosen them as necessary. So the, I'm assuming he just didn't understand the mechanics of yeah. that. Top yeah. Piece. Well, to be fair, he was probably thinking like, well, listen, I couldn't do the, the sauerkraut right. roadblock. Like what is amazing race <laughs> trying to say about me with this drawstring? I'm not going to play into their hands at all. Mm-hmm. Please do not body shame Amazing Race. Oh, but it's interesting on. because Sasha James responds by saying, it's because they gave me your belt. So I kept having to pull up my pants too and did a bunch of like, uh, you know, uh, cry face emojis, LOL costume mishap. Oh. So maybe there were belts, but somehow they mixed up James and <laughs> Gary's costumes. Of all the people to mix up. <laughs> like James and Ishar, maybe, but like what? Yeah, but then and then here comes Hung from the top rope saying, "At least y'all still looked good in your outfits. I look like I mugged someone much taller slash larger and stole their clothes." Dot dot dot. My pants kept falling down and I kept tripping on my pants. Dot dot dot. Ha. So I mean, Phil is probably digging into Hung's lack of calf muscle uh, because her <laughs> pants are just slipping right down to the floor. Yeah, just like her in the chef hat that was yeah. basically a face mask at some point for her. <laughs> you know, in Poor terms hung. of Amazing Race production, like I do wonder, like how much, like do they when they go to the palace? Okay, does the palace already have the uh, all of the uniforms? Mm. Or the Amazing Race come in and be like, look, we've got somebody who's uh, six seven who's coming in, <laughs> uh, two fifty five, uh, and then we also have Hung, who is you know a uh, very petite. Uh, we're gonna need a costume for her, or it's like sort of like we have what we have. Yeah, we just sort of have like sort of like doing community theater, right? Like, all right, well, you know, we did uh, we did the Wizard of Oz like three years ago. So you have to sort through like, sorry, you're going to have to wear a baggy scarecrow costume because the last guy who did it was just going through puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it, I mean, I do wonder to your point, are these handmade or do you go to like uh, either the, the big and tall store for Gary or like Baby Gap for Hung and just pick out outfits uh, based <laughs> on their sizing? <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) No, I do think that I'm assuming at least those pants, they're really easy to find on the street, like literally like very low and easy to find. But I just don't think Indians are built that way. Like for Gary, like Mm. for Hung, I do like I just think that's just laziness. But Mm -hmm. um, for Gary, yeah, I just don't think it was easy for the tailor or whoever or, the you know, just the PA to buy the like right because I don't know that they're sold and um and then the amount of time it probably took to custom make from a tailor i don't know that it was possible yeah okay yeah interesting production design questions for the amazing race i'm still obsessed with phil really trying to stoke d'angelo being like look at gary's calves huh <laughs> yeah are you jealous that his are you jealous of your of gary's calves <laughs> Is there any way to respond to that? Like, Billy, are you okay? I feel like if you're saying yes, then you're like, you're saying something about yourself. But if you're saying no, if we could be like, ah, oh, the lady doth protest too much, you know, like, ah, you, I, I think I've locked into something here. Yeah. What are you hiding? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, not, apparently not your calves. <laughs> So the uh, speaking of Gary and D'Angelo, the other secret scene that I wanted to play was I guess the topic came onto uh, cooking because I guess it sort of is like sort of a neighbor of the place setting task. 
and we find out we find out a lot of things about Gary Barnage's home. And it seems that Gary has a really interesting arrangement with his father that he talks about in one of his interviews with D'Angelo. Okay. All right. If you're wondering where Gary got those calves, uh, then, uh, <laughs> let's talk about talk about Gary's dad a little bit here. Okay. Here from a scene called "I've Cooked." Uh, now with 366 views on YouTube. My dad lives in my guest house, so I don't really cook. My dad does that. Not really cook. He doesn't cook. I can cook. I choose not to. So my dad's living in my guest house. You can cook. His job is to cook. If he's going to be living in my guest house. You can cook. Yes, I can cook. Better than you. You can cook. Yes. When have you ever cooked here? I've cooked. When? When I was in college. When I lived in Charlotte by myself. Dude, when you were in college, how many years ago was that? Let's just put this... I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. How many years? Like 14. <laughs> but I, I like cooked cook right? when I was in Charlotte. I cooked when I was in Cleveland because I lived so by myself. Like, then. So it's like riding a bike, huh? Yeah. Oh. Just pick up on it. No, I don't set a table. We don't eat at a dining room table. So we just eat wherever. You're eating his video game shit. I do That's eat my video game shit. He's a noted gamer. He has yes. FaceTimed me and saw me doing that. Yes. Uh, only time we ever really set a place or anything is it's Christmas or Thanksgiving. But we don't really set the table. We just set the food and then we all just make our plate and then we go sit at the table. So it's you not can, really a place setting. You can bet this much, though. Next time he comes over to the house or I come over to his house, I'm going to be expecting him to give me the same treatment that he gave the people in this palace up here today. I want the ruler. I want the, the folded napkin. Yeah, D'Angelo's bluffing. He's never going to Gary's house. Right? I was going to say, like, D'Angelo's, especially, I think, I think I think they forever crossed the line when Gary said, I'm going to take care of your wife. Like, I think D'Angelo's like, nope, never going to your house. I don't care how good your art is or if we're going <laughs> to gather to eat on your video game chairs. I'm not going to stay at your house, Gary. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I want to I want to really uh, hone in on uh, the arrangement that Gary has with his father. You can live in my guest house, but you are my personal chef you're my dad <laughs> you have to cook i mean I, I don't know i feel like as your father i don't feel like that's a good <laughs> like no how about the deal is i raised you for 18 years of your life and i can stay in your guest house not i have to cook for you i don't want to become your servant gary he can't live in the main oh house <laughs> yeah that's the thing too he's been like banned to the guest house yeah how big is the guest house though because if it's big enough privacy is needed so maybe i don't know i'm i'm assuming that the guest house is just used as like the repository for all the artwork that gary doesn't want to put up <laughs> in the main house so he's like living with all the, the degas paintings yeah also every, oh uh, gary and d'angelo interaction is like uh gary like uh makes some assertion about himself of like uh you know, uh, I, I really enjoy uh, Italian food. And Deandra's like, you enjoy, you, you, you eat Italian food. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Since when? When, Since when have when? I ever seen pasta I've slip into your mouth, Gary? in my life, like, uh, no matter what Gary says about himself, uh, you know, I, I, I do, uh, I, I enjoy reading. You read, really. <laughs> you have books. Yeah, I mean, I think for the for the uninitiated, uh, this is what anxiety is like. It's just having that D'Angelo in your head being like, you're not. No, what are you? T- you're stupid. Stop saying that. That's clearly wrong. Yes. Um, are we sure Gary and D'Angelo are not a dating couple? <laughs> I'll be very They're honest. Friends. D- D- Gary has not invited D'Angelo over to his house. So clearly the relationship has not gotten very far. Yeah. After after the amazing race, they're going to propose on the leg. And then, you know, it'll move forward after that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. He'll get down on one knee with those calves glimmering. Exactly. And then Phil will say something else about maybe the top of Gary's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Time. Oh, Gary's fontanelle is gleams in the sunlight. D'Angelo, you jealous of that? <laughs> I just want one time Gary to say something. And then D'Angelo is like, you know, that actually is true. Yeah, Gary, <laughs> that, that is true about Gary. Yeah, that's why I like Liana talked to him for a week ago about the improv that they do. Everything and Gary it makes does. sense as to why they're, they're absolute train wrecks because D'Angelo Williams does not yes end Gary whatsoever. Yes. In life. He's just like, no, no, that's not true. No, no, yeah. no, that's never happened. Yeah, the, the, the scene between Gary and Angel's like, Gary's like, okay, sir, I'm going to check you out at Walmart. No, we're not there. What? Have you ever been in a Walmart <laughs> recently? <laughs> Gary. Oh man. Mike, you talked on the last carpet, I think, about the Yo Mama jokes. Like, this is what it was. Yeah. This is exactly what we're getting. You asked for it. What do you mean? Yeah, this is I mean, this is this has just been prime quality. This has been the thing I've been looking forward to with the secret scenes of each and every week, to be honest, is like, how will D'Angelo and Gary A, how will D'Angelo and Gary insult each other? <laughs> B, how will Phil try to insult Gary and D'Angelo? Like try to be that guy getting in on the it's ribbing really hard, and just yeah. yeah, like completely fall flat on his. <laughs> Space doing so. All at the whole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, what else do you have? All right. Let's let's go into some social media here. Uh, so let's start with a sweet one from Haley Williams at Haley Williams eighty eight. Overwhelmed with the abundance of love and support we've received throughout the airing of At the Amazing Race. We're so lucky and grateful for this experience and walked away with the coolest memories and the best family you could ask for. Uh, quote, thank you, universe. So I just want to start off on a very, you know, light note. I mean, say what you want to about the blondes. They really had to dig themselves out of a hole many, many, many times. And I, I love that they kept like a smiling attitude throughout. Yeah, they were not sour about the whole thing. Yeah, I thought they took the yield really well, too. I mm-hmm. I would never be that generous or kind, for sure. They're better people than most of us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so let's go to the rare Instagram here uh, for for our first uh, foray into social media. So I, I got this uh, from at core. David sent this to me. Phil posted a behind the scenes clip of on Instagram of himself. And the, we talked about this during the recap. The welcome to Hyderabad guy who was just like wailing his drum uh, like it's me and Puya on the dance floor mm-hmm. during the pit stop. <laughs> And Phil apparently does some hashtag vocal exercises with this guy. So let's let's listen to Phil really get into it yeah. with the pit stop creator. I'm in India, and I'm doing vocal exercises. Kitataka, tikitaka, ta, ta, dimi, dimi, taka dimi, taka dimi, kitataka tarigita, kitataka tarigita, taka tikitaka, tuku 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 tuku, tuku 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 tuku, kitataka tarigita, taka tuku tuku tuku, tadina tarigita, tadina tarigita, tadina tarigita, Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a fuzzy Wuzzy. There you go. Um, <laughs> was any of that words, or is uh, was this guy just beatboxing? Just, I think that that is actual words because when I well, I got kicked out of classical dance, um, but <laughs> those are actual beats that you have to follow. Like the teacher, like yes, so I, I do believe that they are beats. But then I think he was 
it, it it started off that way, but it no. In the middle, he was just. It's like your. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. That's what that yeah. was. Yeah, this really felt like we like just took a pill halfway through yeah. and, like, <laughs> the uncanny valley. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely uh, you know uh, going through that on one butt cheek. Just. <laughs> That was, be careful, just Phil. reckless Very just reckless. reckless yeah but I, I love that Phil like tries to play off a joke here getting Phil fashion with Fuzzy Wuzzy as a bear but then this guy comes in with like a beat through the vocal warm-ups and now we're back to the team fun rap from season 31 and Phil <laughs> is back in his zone of like great now it's time for me to to freestyle on these vocal warm-ups he's been waiting for it yeah exactly oh it's like God. an eight mile moment where everyone's like choke 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 as he's, as he's going through his like no way yeah, silly Sally sells seashores by the seashore. It did sound like someone was choking, but I don't know what was going on. And it's great, though. Phil did not trip over his words when he commented Gary's calves. So I think that shows the vocal exercises did the trick. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, uh, Phil's Instagram handle, and I, I had not been following until now, uh, that he is a Phil Eliminator. Yeah, I think oh. he's. I think he sort of has gone like the the Chen bot route, not in many ways, but I think sort of like Julie Chen, like they've been a bit, been both a bit tongue in cheek with how their names have been used by the fan community. Was yes. uh, you know, I feel eliminated was a term I know That's that was used in a lot school. of that, like, yeah, a lot of when, a lot of old when, Amazing Race recaps use the term feel eliminated. So I'm glad that Phil came like around. Some to it. Sort of like a sound effect also attached with that, right? Yeah, well, I think they, they usually had like a nice symbol uh, strike like a, come in with like every time he would do the eyebrow. And so I yeah. think like there was there was something along the lines of that. But yeah, Phil, Phil elimination has been an idea that's existed really since the beginning of the amazing race. So for Phil to go along with it, however many years after the fact shows that he's he is with it. It may be a bit <laughs> latent, but he is with it. Okay. All right. So Jess has been chronicling D'Angelo Williams hot food takes. And we have, in honor of Thanksgiving, gather around the video game chairs, fam, because we've got a, a hot take here. D'Angelo Williams tweets, canned cranberry sauce greater than homemade cranberry sauce. Facts. This is not a hot take. It's yeah. a cold take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 feel like, I feel like I've seen it evenly split, actually. Sasha, where do you come down on the uh, canned cranberry sauce versus homemade cranberry sauce? This is the least American thing about me, but yeah, I have never had cranberry sauce, oh. but from what the masses say, I have heard canned is better, Yeah, but my Thanksgiving was all Indian food um, mm. and we keep kosher. So it's really hard anyway to eat, but here we are. What is, what is it about canned cranberry food that has appealed to it? Is it a nostalgia factor? It's the metal, obviously. I think there's way more yeah, it's, it's, sugar it's, in it. Like, I think that the canned cranberry sauce is almost like Jello. Uh, although I do oh. like the canned cranberry sauce that has uh, fruit in it. Whereas I, I find the homemade cranberry sauce often to be very tart. I mean, let me just say, D'Angelo Williams, there's a reason why you're no, you don't have the sublime calves of Gary. It's maybe because you're having mm. one too many cans of cranberry sauce. <laughs> yes. I think I would agree with that. And actually, speaking of uh, speaking of food, so Iswar sent a tweet after the leg. We had an Indian buffet. I piled hella biryani on my plate. One of the local production assistants came over and said, "I knew you were a real Indian when I saw you take three people's worth of biryani at once. Only a real Indian takes biryani that seriously." Is that true, Sasha? Yes, and that's why I I even tweeted yes. again that stupid dentures task. Why couldn't they have made biryani? It's so complicated to make. Um, and I bet you any there's probably so many restaurants on that marketplace where they were at. Swiggy. So, 
Yeah, yeah, and Twiggy could have told you where what to go, biryani? obviously. Oh, yeah, biryani is basically rice with a meat. Um, so chicken oh, that biryani. That sounds like right up Rob's alley. Mm. Yeah, and uh, so the meat has obviously because it's Indian food, you know, a lot of flavoring and it's regional flavoring. So Hyderabadi biryani is pretty famous because you know they, it's a little bit more spicy and um, just a lot of like local flavors versus you know whatever another biryani somewhere else. Um, but it's really interesting because it's almost layered food. So it's uh, rice, then maybe. Um, meat layer on top and then rice again and then um they do like caramelized onions some people will put some cashews and nuts on it some other aromatics whatever so mm -hmm. it depends on the region but that's basically rice and meat but all compact one bite i mean i'm willing to say like screw canned and homemade cranberry sauce i just want biryani for things yes. I mean, that sounds fantastic yes 120 percent. yes i mean canned cranberry sauce is pretty good you can have it on the side yeah, maybe I'll have, the, I'll have the literal can on the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can put more biryani in that can. <laughs> but was that was that production member statement true, uh, Sasha? Is it true that you know you're? Is it like a Jeff Foxworthy? You're you know you're a real Indian when you take three people's worth of biryani at once. I think yeah, yes and no. I think that's just an American thing of like piling your plate. I, like I don't know necessarily that it's just biryani in general. I think um, Indians take a lot of food, and I think if I, me as an Indian, goes back to India, a hundred percent. So I think it's more of a mm -hmm. what they call American-born, a confused desi, which is desi is it brown person to so like South Asian person. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's like if we go back to India, yes, that is a hundred percent what we're gonna do because we just don't get biryani like that anywhere else. All right. And finally, uh, speaking of, let's go from Iswar to his partner. Parna tweeted, okay, y'all, sorry, I get one brag from this leg. My hair was popping. And you know what? I went back, much like the uh, the Will and James, Kaylin yes. and Haley stuff. I, I looked at it. And indeed, I would say her hair was was pretty damn popping. All things considered, you know, running through India for an entire day, she was able to to maintain that do. Yeah, we were made for that climate. So it 100% makes sense. Like, actually, we thrive there because her hair looked beautiful. I think she has some curls in the back. But yeah, we're, we're made for that climate. So we're going to thrive. She's correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not like we're in Miami where, you know, the Monica and friends that were like right, crazy exactly. poof. <laughs> the Jufro. <laughs> oh boy well that's that's all i've got for for social media as we're sort of rounding the bends here on, on the last few weeks uh but i do believe before we leave the tar pits for this week sasha much like a steaming plate of biryani you have brought a game for us to enjoy to dig into this yes. week i have um it's a little game um where basically phil mentioned a little bit about how cheap it was to get a denture i think he said three dollars i can't $3, remember yeah yeah so i thought that we could play a game of what is the price of blank and like i try to get like basic things and some things maybe that are just found in india um and um i'll give you the conversion rate first so one dollar is 74 rupees okay yeah, okay. so we're One, so the, the, all these prices will be in rupees. You no, know, it'll be in dollars. Okay. I just want that's why I wanted to give you the conversion rate, mm -hmm. just so you can like figure that out. Um, and you'll have um, four choices to pick from as yeah. well. Um, 
And these prices, I will say, um, not spoiler alert, but with an asterisk, they are from uh, Mumbai because my cousin in Mumbai, I just texted her to send me yes. these. So, Ooh, okay, I like this firsthand experience. Yeah. So I will say Mumbai probably is a little bit more expensive than the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, with a grain of salt, these are Mumbai prices, not Hyderabad, okay. but it's okay. But yeah, um, we can start with at like any Indian meal or, you know, you come to any Indian's house, you're going to get a cup of tea. Yes. So we're going to yeah. start with that. What do you think a price of a cup of tea is? Hmm. So I'll go through the four choices. 41 cents, $1.30, 63 cents or $2. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right, can you use those choices? You, that was a curveball yeah. to not have them uh, in uh, linear order. You're really trying to throw us off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am. Definitely. Give me the, give, give me the numbers one more time. 41? 41 cents, $1.30, 63 cents, and $2. So I guess the question is, so so tea is is such like a huge part of Indian culture. The question is, is it such like a luxury that would be more expensive or is it because like supply and demand because there is so much of it around India, would it be a cheaper price? Yeah. And this That's is like a yeah conundrum. street food type situation. I'll, I'll give you that. Not like a Starbucks. No, no. Where they call it chai tea. Like you're saying tea tea. <laughs> All right. Chai I means tea, chai, everyone. chai the Indian word for tea? Yes. Chai oh. means tea. Yes. So, so, yeah, so it's sort of like ATM machine, right? Where yeah. you're just like repeating <laughs> the same term twice. Exactly. All right. I'm I'm going to, I'll put in my bid. I'm I'm just going to go with, especially like the, the street food comment you made. I'm going to go with the 41 cents. I think I'm going to lowball it here. I think that listen, everyone wants a cup of tea at any point in time in India. I think you, you got to keep that price point low uh, to really bring out the masses. All right. Okay. Hmm. Um, so Mike went cheapo depot. <laughs> uh, I will go. I'm torn between the 63 and the dollar 30. Um, I will say I, I will go with 63. All right, locked in. Um, who wants to be a millionaire is really big, so they always say Lakia Jai, which means yes. is it locked in? It's so, <laughs> big in India, like a slumdog yeah. millionaire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's called Khan Banega Kurdpati, which means who wants to be a millionaire? But um, it's because all the big Bollywood stars host it. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's why it's so big. Um, basically, star power. But yeah, the answer is forty-one cents. Oh. You're right, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, it's 20 rupees, 20 to 30 rupees, which roughly is like 41 cents. I mean, that's pretty damn good. I mean, I think, you know, uh, even at like bodegas, it's it's tough to find like a mm-hmm. 40 cent cup of coffee. So I think mm-hmm. that this, this is a pretty good deal. Yeah. And this is milk in it and some tea leaves and probably some cardamom. So like expensive spices. But we okay. got you in India. All right. Second, we're going to go with what do you think an onion, like a bag of onions would cost? Oh, a bag of onions. A bag okay. of onions. Sorry. A bag of onions. Oh, no. I don't know. Yeah. Let me, uh, let's say one kg. Yeah, I think that's mm. one kilogram, one which kilogram. is. I can't okay. Do them. All right. All right. We've got to caramelize these for my biryani. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. So the, the first. Yeah. 73 cents. 57 cents. Oh, okay. 68 cents or 45 cents. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so we're within like a 30 cent range. I know. I, it would have been too easy otherwise. No, this I is know. good. This is yeah. tough. All right. What do you, what do you think, Rob? Uh, what, what do you, are you a produce man? 
I am a produce guy. Yeah. Do like to use onions. And so I will say I think that the onions are uh, 68 cents. 68 cents. A lot of onions. I'll admit I don't venture too much. My closest like you know, uh, my, the closest I get to onions are the Shrek Sonic fan fiction that I end up reading. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will be sorry, I am sure. What do onions have to do with Shrek and Sonic? Ogres are like onions, Rob. Yeah. They have layers. You have to peel them back. I thought this was going to say that you you get onion rings if you go to Sonic. <laughs> See, there's, yeah, there's both so many layers, much like a nice onion. That joke. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go. Can you remind me of the other three options, please? Oh, yeah. 73, 57, and 45. I think I said 45. All right. I'm going to go a little bit down from Rob. I'm going to go with 57 just because I feel like, like you said, onions are something that can be evolved in a lot of Indian meals, but I do not think we're, we're not going to, we're not on like the tea level here. I think that, that especially a bag of onions is probably going to go for a little yeah. more expensive. All right. Um, Rob was right. It's 68 oh. cents. Yeah. I'll tell you, they're not that cheap on Amazon fresh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so they're about 50 rupees and i think they've gone up a little bit even more because of unfortunately covid pricing but this is usually what they're at mm. um the next one we were gonna do those bangles just like we saw in the oh, task ooh. um so again bangles c- can be on a spectrum right like if they're actually gold bangles they'll cost like a lot versus mm-hmm. but we're thinking of like the bangles that are right in that cart um, it's like the cheap, not cheap. Yeah, cheap. They're cheap. I have them. It's fine. They're great. Um, so <laughs> they do the trick. Yeah, they definitely do. It looks good. It's Instagram ready. That's all we can. Oh, okay, about. perfect. Yeah. So the first one is fifty four cents for a, like a pack of yeah, probably like okay. five, like whatever was on that bride's bride. She wasn't a bride, but her hand. So fifty four cent cents, forty six cents, eighty one cents, and seventy five cents. Okay. That's for one what? bangle bracelet? No, no like, a, like, like a, a set. Pack. Yeah. What what do we think what's yeah, what's the material in on that pack of bangles? Uh very cheap. Um it could be glass, but like barely. So like I'm trying to barely think. glass. Yeah, like not even. Let me look at my Yeah, my open up your bangle box. Robinwebsite.com yeah. slash bangle box. Exactly. You're welcome, everyone. So yeah, it's usually so it's usually if you see they're like plastic and they oh, come in okay. different sizes, right? Like one, and you can get a set. So this is like one hand worth, mm-hmm. right here. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, not really an even number, but I guess from an American variety, I'm gonna go with seventy five cents uh, for this one. I, I feel like this is like well, it is a bit wholesale, and you're buying like essentially five at once. I, I do feel like it's a little bit more of a hot commodity than like a tea, a, a cup of tea, or even an onion. Okay, I'm oh, gonna yeah. take the over. I think Bengal bracelets. That seems like a good deal. I'm gonna say eighty one. All right. And Rob is correct again. Wow. 81 cents. So locked in. 60 rupees is like um, the cost of it, usually. Wow, 81 cents for five bangle bracelets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, would recommend. Yeah, for like $5, you could fill up your arm mm-hmm. from, from shoulder to, to <laughs> finger. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of weddings, Indian weddings in America, like they give away bangles because, you know, not to take out like too much backstage, but that's why. Yeah. This is the cost. Well, All right. Bracelets are probably worth a lot of money. Oh, right? that's so interesting. It's sort of like cents. how um, in, yeah. in, in Judaism, you might find that like if you go to a lot of bar mitzvahs, you'll mm-hmm. often wear yarmulkes from other people's bar mitzvahs that were given out as favors. Yeah. And in Indian Jewish weddings, you'll have both. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, my morning one, um, the, the Jewish wedding had the yarmulkes. It was really funny. People are like, we just keep getting stuff. What's it called? Yarmulkes or no, kippahs. Oh. You, but, uh, what, what, was the, I, that, I, I, what was the Jewish wedding called? Oh, no. I just said in the mornings because that's uh, usually when Jewish weddings are right. on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. Next yes. we can by go. The way, that the Bengals yeah. help very uh, easily to demonstrate uh, the Jewish wedding, Indian wedding, and when then what that would look like. <laughs> exactly. And you as know. an Indian Jew, my hands were full of henna with the white dress. Yes. So great mixing of cultures, which again, we could have some culture on the Amazing Race, but we get dentures. It's fine. Uh, Rob, uh, I think the problem with the Bengals, though, is I believe the uh, sometimes its lead uh, Bengals sort of breaks down occasionally. <laughs> Medevaced in the Joe middle Burrow of the game. Joke, my yeah, that's a Joe yeah. Burrow oh, joke. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm all for the Joe Burrow joke. A Joe so Burrow. We love it. <laughs> yes. Well, he's having a um, knee problem, not a calf problem. Ooh. No, no, Phil is Phil is putting the stop salivating, Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could that be Phil's pickle? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, the next, um, you know, you we're now going to the movies. So, what you know, a nice recliner seat. What would be the cost of one movie ticket? Oh, for like okay, a movie nice, ticket. Okay. Yeah, movie like ticket. A recliner. <laughs> a recliner seat at the movies. Ooh, um, okay. Like the Cinemark rate or the AMC that they have here. Um, so $5, $6, $3, $7. This is uh, all incredibly discounted from what American audiences have to pay for. Yep. I remember when I saw Star, Trek, Star Wars The Force Awakens, I had to pay like $15 per per head to yeah. sit in those recliners. Uh, Y'all remember Movie Pass? Yeah. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. That really was a savior for yeah, movie The Force tickets. Awakens was like uh, five years ago, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't imagine how much it grew from there. Like, I probably have to sell my child to go see uh, Avengers Endgame in the recliners. Don't get some popcorn. <laughs> You'll yeah, have exactly. To sell your... I got a mortgage on my home if I want candy. Yeah, just wait till it comes out on VOD and you can sit in Gary's video game chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, probably, which also is probably like covered in food, right? Because like he's not cleaning himself up. This thing is covered in all yeah. the the meals that he's had in his it. Dad's not allowed in the main house to clean up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe Gary's dad has like a shot collar on that doesn't allow him to leave the, the, the guest house. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> five, three, six, or seven, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, five, three, six, or seven. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you got an idea, Rob? Hmm. Um, I think the movie is five dollars. Five dollars. I like it. All right, that's nice around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over slightly. I'm gonna go with six dollars. I feel like that's, uh, it's like not. I feel like that's like a, a six dollar, like a seven dollar Tuesday is like a typical discount we would get here in the states. So I feel like that might translate to a typical uh, Indian, fantastically uh, dealed, you know, recliner seat in the movie theater. Oh, you're both wrong. It's three dollars. What? <laughs> yeah. Boy, Mike is so mad. 
Oh man, I want to move now. Yeah, go to the cyber city. <laughs> it's two hundred rupees, which is about like three hundred, uh, two dollars and seventy cents. So actually cheaper than three, but you know, here mm. we are. Wow, that's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, um, I think we can. I'm going to skip a few. Um, let's go to street food. So okay. how much? So this is called a varapau. Okay. And this is like a Mumbai specialty. Um, it's a hamburger, not, yeah, hamburger bun with a fried potato patty inside. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's like basically what it is. It has some and, you know, another emerging of Indian and Jewish cuisine. There's a latka essentially exactly. in the middle there. Yes, yes, it's exactly that. And like, yeah, they make in this big walk um, on the streets, really. Um, anyway, so this is like, yeah, known as like street food. Again, like, very cheap, as you'll see. So we're going to, yeah, what's the cost of like one vodapau, um, like in the street? So 54 cents, 39 cents, 68 cents, and 24 cents. Oh, 27, 27 cents. 27 oh, cents. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, so these sound really... These sound really good, but I guess the question is, like, as as street food, does that discount it into something super cheap, or is it like still like a, a pretty high commodity that they they might be able to up the price a little bit? Yeah. Mike, do you eat a lot of street food? Uh, you know what? Uh, I I I am not like a. I will constantly go there. I, I'm probably I think more trusting in in street food than maybe your average bear, uh, just because my gastrointestinal tract <laughs> has survived a lot in yes. my 31 years of yes. existence. Like I think it could it survives some street food. Yeah, it, yeah. This of all the street food, I there's a few in Mumbai that I would say you should try, but this one like it's a must. Like it's just take the next day off. Don't go anywhere. It's fine. But the day you need, off. Wait, hold on. Why? Yeah. <laughs> if you need to, you know, if you're oh, yeah, pregnant, yeah. you got to, you know, stay home and be close to the bathroom. You know, okay, you have to. Right. Well, that's not a ringing endorsement. It, it, listen, it's weak it's stomachs and you're going to India. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm going to go with a nice survivor number. Thirty nine cents for, like for the street food. Yeah. Okay. Um, That is what I was going to say, but I will go then with twenty seven cents. All right, Rob is correct. Twenty-seven wow. cents. Yes, street food. You know, you know. Oh my god! I'm gonna wanna... fill. I'm gonna fill like my bag with these before I yeah. go my three-dollar movie ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get uh? So basically, like what that you would pay like uh, are rupees dollars or they coins? Uh, the, how how would you pay? For yeah, this? it's it's both. So yeah, the, the okay. cents it would be the same thing as cents where it's paisas. Um, where yeah, cents equals paisas. Same like idea where you'd have little coins mm-hmm. and then one rupee onward you'd have notes like okay. or notes. Uh, great. And, um, I think we'll do last chicken biryani cost. Oh, we talk about biryani so much. Great. This, this one's a little complicated, but it's to stay with me. Um, so the first choice, four fifty six, So $4 and 56 cents. Mm-hmm. $5.78. $3.38. And $1.65. Oh, so now I don't know. Because she's throwing that yeah. low baller there to trick us. So this is what what quantity would this buy? Of, of yeah, so this is like a just like an Indian restaurant here, like you know, enough for probably two people. How it's it's enough for how many Iswars? I know that's true. for one Iswar for sure. For one Iswar, <laughs> yes. So yes. one Iswar's worth of 
chicken biryani. Worth or even half an Eastwar, maybe. Half yeah, just the East. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. So that's that's a good amount. But the question is, is it like, you know, the more you get, the cheaper it gets. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for you know what? I love sequential numbers. Give me four, five, six. Okay. Four, five, six. And I'll, okay, I'll I'll go uh top shelf here. Five, seven, eight. All right, you're both wrong. It was three thirty-eight. Oh, which is wow. about- oh my god, that's like one dollar a person essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's about it's two hundred and fifty rupees, which is like one plate. Yeah, the cost of like one plate, whatever that means in India. It's it, it's different at different restaurants. So, but yeah, that was the game. A lot of bang. Wow. For your okay. <laughs> I mean, right. seriously, this is proof that India just has some fantastic options for the the frugal people mm-hmm. out there. Like, there's there's some you get some uh, some really great stuff. Yeah, you could stay at the Taj Mumbai for one hundred and forty seven dollars, which is. It's like the Taj, so it's like almost seven star ish hotel. Wow. So yeah, and the Taj, I mean, Hyderabad is actually pretty expensive, two eighty four a night, which is what? comparable. Yeah, and McDonald's also. That's why I didn't put it in here. It was comparable as well. It's like a dollar, two dollar cost of the McChicken. Yeah, I wonder how much did it cost for that uh, that palace that they went to for the the second roadblock? Do you think that was yeah, like that's a the really two eighty four? Yeah, that's the one. The Taj, um, it was two eighty four. Okay. Well, Sasha, thank you for the game and thank you for yeah. joining us here yeah, on the thanks. tar pit to talk this through and give us uh, so much insight into the mega leg. Thanks for having me. This was so great. Now, now you had us sitting on the edge of our one butt cheek yes, uh, with time. all of your, your prices. <laughs> yes. um, I'm glad. That was the point. <laughs> of course, uh, Sasha has a great Twitter handle. She's a fun size underscore 04. I still like it despite the underscore. <laughs> Thank you. I know. But too many people have fun size and I'm not clever enough to find something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Sasha, that I uh, see that you are also going to be doing uh, some uh, some podcasting, talking about sequester soon, right? Yeah, I will be live tomorrow um, at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, talking about sequester tomorrow or tonight. That yeah, dro- check that out. Yeah, it'll be live on StreamYard. I'm not exactly sure. We're still trying to iron out. Follow my Twitter. You'll learn more. <laughs> okay. All right. Check that out at funsize underscore zero oh. four. Yep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> All right. Check out what's going on uh, with uh, Sequester. I-, I will also be talking about uh, the Sequester premiere with Karen Armstrong on a podcast on a Monday night. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, Mike. I had uh, so much fun getting to talk to you over the weekend on this weekend's uh, Robin Akiva Nita podcast where we cho- we chose our own Renap venture. Yeah, so myself and the incredible Liana Boris, my partner on the B&B, 18 months ago, we made a bet on a podcast involving Akiva Whitaker that not only got us a spot on the Renap wheel, but a podcast proper where we got you guys to go through a couple of classic choose-your-own-adventure books and sort of make decisions based on that. We chose probably two of the weirder adventures, and we went to some very weird places talking about animals. And then we went into even weirder places going into the mailbag as we talked through... A a lot of ideas that were taken from the listeners and from our own very warped brains. But yeah, I had such an incredibly fun time getting to talk with you two and Liana. Sasha, did you ever read a choose your own adventure book? Yeah. And the Black Mirror episode oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Yes. The choose your own adventure people are suing them. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah Choose Choose Co., which is the name of the Choose Your Own Adventure Company. Uh, <laughs> they, they said you'd steal our act. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know it was like copyrighted to one yeah. person. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Uh, Mike, what else do you have coming up? So Amazing Race related, of course, I also had my interview with Haley and, Kay- Haley and Kaylin, which uh, came up actually right after the episode went out on Wednesday. I know that I sort of got caught up in all of the mm-hmm. holiday stuff as you were shuffling to your gaming chairs to sit down and, uh, and eat. So be sure to, to give that a look. I, they are two very, very sweet, very fun personalities and talked a lot about their time on the race. Of course, I'm going down the hatch talking Lost with Josh Wiggler, uh, doing Star Trek with Jessica Lees, which give Jess a shout out as well at Haymaker Hattie, even though she is in abstention. And Rob, we are doing some Survivor talk this week uh, to preview one of the podcasts we're doing. We're bringing back Outwit, Outplay, Outlist, and we are going to be talking about one of my personal favorite topics. We're going to be talking about noticeable hats from Survivor contestants through the years. We're going to create a tier (laughs) list of contestants' hats. All right. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, We'll come up with uh, the best hats. And and I guess that we will come up with the worst hats also. Yeah, we're going to get the least (laughs) best hats. And we don't even need an iPad to see those hats. You can just tune in proper. Perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, And follow a Mike Bloom type on Twitter for that uh, great Mike Bloom Twitter. All right. So (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. What a jam-packed episode of the Tarp. Mm -hmm. uh, Truly a mega leg of a a podcast. Yes, that's what we really did. We we mega leg this thing, okay? Uh, We'll be back live after this week's amazing race episode. Back to one hour. Get ready for a double U-turn. And I do not see good things happening for Gary and D'Angelo this (laughs) week. But we'll see. We might be saying bye-bye to those cabs sometime very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we may not be... Uh, we may be talking to Gary and D'Angelo on Thursday. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, so, yeah but it should uh, be fun. should be fun. should be an entertaining uh, episode uh, there. And of course, uh, if you missed it also this week, I talked with uh, with Jess and Brooklyn Zed and Lita Brillman about a new Amazon show called The Pack. I know a lot of people have gotten to catch up on that a little bit over the weekend uh to uh see an amazing race with dog sasha have you seen anything uh about the pack i haven't seen it yet but it's on the list i was bollywood wives came out this weekend Whoa. so i was watching Ooh. that yeah it's ridiculous it's just real housewives but of bollywood mm-hmm. so the pack is next though yes. i love it i think it was so cute yeah check that out and i also had a lot of fun uh, talking with christian hubicki on a mm. podcast that we called Ask Dr. Hubicki. Uh, we talked about all sorts of things ranging from time travel to spreadable cheese uh, with Christian <laughs> Hubicki. We got uh, 200 questions from the listeners. We asked him about all sorts of topics of things people needed to know the answers to and a lot of stuff that you probably didn't need to know the answers to, but we asked him anyway. So check that, pod- that podcast out as well if you are so inclined. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 